it's been a while since we've done this. Welcome back to Sync Ratios, a Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast. Yeah, seriously. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Piotrowski. And I'm the other host, Ben Collins. And it's been... Almost a year. It's been (laughs) one week (laughs) since you heard from me. God damn. Is it really... Was it last December? Uh, I don't recall it's a lot has happened a lot has happened because i think if i remember correctly i think we recorded the last episode with kevin at your house we did and we were doing it on a schedule before i went to london Mm. for a month Mm. and then we had the sundance film festival yeah in january and And then the world ended and here we are (laughs) yeah and then and then i lived in south america for three months which is the whole thing and then the the world i came back here and you know, I, uh, yeah. So a, a mysterious, inexplicable life form threatens humanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not an unfamiliar theme to, to fans of Evangelion. That, I was thinking about that. The other day. I was trying to imagine like, like a living thing. through a second impact. Well, like I was, I was thinking about like how the sort of, you know, revelation at a certain point of like that, the, that the angels are like, the suggestion that they are like alternate versions of creation that mm-hmm. are sort of, you know, like that there was like sort of that they are, you know, like humanity, like in some sort of weird abstract way. And I was like kind of try to imagine the coronavirus as like an angel. It's a know? Lilliputian hitcher for sure. Yes. But Ritsko can't hack her way yeah, out of this yeah. one. <laughs> if, if only. If only Ritsko was here. But yeah, I mean that episode obviously specifically has something like that. But I was thinking about it like that, like mm-hmm. like instead of an enemy, this is just another life form that is now sort of existing in the same place as us, and like we don't know what to do, and maybe it doesn't know what to, do. you know, I don't know. I was yeah. just thinking about that. Yeah. Well, it's been rough, and we've been, you know, wanting to do this for a while. Yeah. You and I, we've I been think. talking about it for months. Yeah. As soon as quarantine sort of happened, it was like, all right, well, now's the excuse to maybe try mm-hmm. and remotely start jumping back into it whatever i know we sort of left on a cliffhanger like it's it's been weird because we left with obviously a definitive conclusion of we finished end of evangelion so we did cover the entire original series and you know job job well done for us we we actually accomplished something which which is hard to do these days uh, yeah that was i mean that was the the stated goal and we did it and we knew that we were enjoying it enough that we wanted to do it more but we didn't we we made a lot of promises we left Mm -hmm. it (laughs) open-ended like we're we're gonna come back and we're gonna do the rebuild movies and we're gonna cover this and that and uh and then you know life kind of happened in a lot of different ways and got away from us some good things and lots of bad things and, and just at yeah, the time passing so much like i feel like every every like month we would sort of talk about doing this and then you just go yeah, yeah we'll talk about it again and then like a month's passed and it's like yeah God, wow, it's just really like the passage of time has been strange yeah. but there's been a valiant few uh twitter folks who continue to you know mm-hmm. thank you for poking and prodding and asking politely mm-hmm. uh which just made uh, every time made us feel like yeah oh we should and and definitely some folks you know Saying that it, you know, was something that was helping them get through these tough times. No, that was really sweet because I, I have, I mean, I think we all have those things, and like I have podcasts that I listen to that like something of the norm, the normalcy of certain things is a comfort and a sort of, uh, you know, some sort of an anchor in the middle of a storm or something like that. And so I, uh, when I heard it all that that you know that we were helping 
people that way it was like oh well, come on i mean i i value that stuff so much myself i want to be able to you know contribute to anybody else's happiness as much as possible so i think we knew we had to do it and it's never annoying when people ask i think both of us are like fuck we do want to do that again and it's you know the fact that anyone gives a shit at all yeah is, is you know that's nice it's fantastic yeah so here we are back for i guess i guess we'll kind of consider this season two yeah i gotta figure out how to do that but somehow or other this is a new system of numbering or something oh is it my, like, I, maybe it i don't know I don't we know. haven't figured that out yet yeah, we're just we just decided to do this and and decided to do it before we had a chance to second guess or get distracted by anything mm-hmm. to just kind of force ourselves back into the robot. Well, <laughs> and, and you know we're lucky enough to be you know we are still both in the greater Los Angeles area and we are doing this back the traditional way at, at my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin is out of town at the moment, um, but you know he's expressed interest in you know, when we figure out exactly what the plan is moving forward beyond this episode that we would, you know, like to do more with Kevin because we enjoy having him around. But for this, we're going to sort of, some, you know, picking up on loose ends and talking about some stuff. Yeah, and, that, that was my big know. idea. I think the main thing we want to cover, make sure that we cover is the rebuild movies. Yeah. That's yeah. what this sort of second crop of episodes is is really all about. And we'd like to do that with Kevin and that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting thing because we are all a lot less familiar with the rebuild movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I think we should be calling them the new theatrical versions. I think rebuild is a bit of a misnomer uh, attrib- uh, attributed to the, the new theatrical versions. Yeah. That's the, he never called them that. Uh, I think that was kind of in reference to something else, or maybe the project was called rebuild of Evangelion, but I think the actual, Interesting. The new theatrical version. That's funny because I still feel like that actually that 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 terminology still does permeate. It, it's like the xenomorph of this particular, sure. <laughs> like. Uh, uh, and and I may be wrong, but uh, we can look back at that. But but I'm pretty sure that rebuild kind of referred to, maybe even the, you know the 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 cleaning up and and sprucing up of the original series and stuff like that. Um, interesting interesting well okay let's for the yeah, for the time being we, we will we continue can call, to call them, them. rebuild i mean i think everybody does if yeah, you look at yeah. uh, you know message boards and things like that so we want to cover those i mean the big tragedy of this all <laughs> was we, we, when we left off it was like yeah when the new movie comes out we're all gonna get well that was that was the one, those that was the it. one thing we were like because we that was the one goal it was like well we don't know what else is gonna happen but we got to do the rebuild movie so that we're all ready to See it theatrically, and like we was like, we promise when it you, comes out wherever on we are, June twenty seventh, two thousand twenty. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think the biggest concern at that point was that we would all three be in different cities, and it would be some sort of like coordinated thing where we all have to go, and then like, and nope. it was like we're no. all in our homes. Yeah, doing nothing, not seeing anything. I mean, Japan doesn't even have it yet, right? Like, it's not like no, they, it did they, not open in Japan. It's it's not even finished yet. They're still in that's good rush. Uh, editing. I can't remember what I was just reading up on it earlier today. Mm-hmm. But they're still in the editing process. Well, I don't, you know, then maybe it's so. all worth it for them to take their time and uh, get it right. Want Anno to take his time. So yeah, the release date for that came and went. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still fingers crossed that just like, I mean, I don't know enough about the economics of the Japanese film industry, and obviously something like this is the closest thing they have to like a guaranteed hit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the box office compare you know what I mean? Like I don't know the kind of calculations that you make for movies here where you're like, oh well like Invisible right. Man that got or that right. one was already but like, you know, the hunt or something that they put like you can understand the economics of that. I don't know how it works over there. So I don't know if Netflix can offer them enough money that would that would I, buy, be like a buyout and effectively just put it on Netflix instead of theatrical with an option the to do it later. Theaters I don't know. are st- maybe still open in Japan. 
it's possible. I, I'm not sure what the situation is that they they were know, doing okay in terms of you know we don't need to talk about COVID no, no, stuff, no, no, but, but yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, but it, it is worth it for this because it's going to be a different. I mean, it, it, everyone knows if you put a movie out right now in one territory internationally, it's going to get bootlegged and right. pirated. And and so it's like, if, if they put Everything's it out kind theaters, of on hold for, yeah. for everything, yeah. Because, you know, bond, Bond's not just going to come out in no. the UK and not here. And, well, because yeah. Tenet basically did that. And I, I didn't... I mean, there wasn't a widespread piracy of Tenet, but I think it's I think you can find it if you want to. No. Which is such a terrible idea, but, you know. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we have no idea when the new Evangelion so we have no idea, movie will be done and when we'll get to see it, but that gives us time. To, in the meantime, yeah. we will watch the previous three and talk about those. And we, you know, made promises, and I think it's still a possibility to cover some other Anno films. I'd like to. In the meantime, Cutie Honey. I mean, Shin, Shin Godzilla, Shin by the Godzilla. way, is, is very relevant to the super relevant to the coronavirus thing right now. Like, I brought that up multiple times throughout this whole... And to the election as well. Yeah, I mean, everything. I mean, we've yeah. said it on the show before, I think, that it's like it's like a metaphor. It, it, in some ways, was a metaphor for the Trump campaign. And it's like, but the number of things that it works as a metaphor for now... And things that are like layered on top of each other in a weird way, like sure. it does feel like Trump it is just a and nightmare of, yeah. yeah bureaucracy yeah. and the failure bureaucracy. of systems. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so that would be a great one to watch. So I do, you know, we we might still do that. Uh, but today, what mm-hmm. I wanted to do was wrap up some of the loose ends that we left dangling with End of Evangelion because we've watched the and covered the entire original series and the movies, mm-hmm. Death and End of Evangelion. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of things that we talked about in the previous episodes, like the live action sequence from End of Evangelion that uh, didn't actually make it in, but there was a filmed live action sequence. And we made reference to it and said, ah, we'll cover that yeah. some yep. other time. Yep. Here it is. Well, that other time is now. Mm-hmm. So I want to cover that. If you look on YouTube, if you look up End of Evangelion live action sequence, I think you can find it. It's about 11 or 12 minutes long. Um, ooh. My thing is singing at me. So, End of Evangelion alternative live action or live sequence um, is is the one that we watched. And it's it's 11 minutes and 16 seconds. So, okay, yeah. I don't know when you're listening to this, if you found this in some, you know, post-apocalyptic future. And <laughs> YouTube, it's no longer up on YouTube for one reason or another. Well, I'm sure you can find it by other means. Yeah. But that's the one that we watched. So, we're going to do, we're going to cover that. So, if you want to mm-hmm. pause and listen or yeah. go watch, you can. I think uh, we also want to cover the audio drama. Very fun, yeah. Evangelion After the End, which is in three parts up on YouTube. So not to just direct you mm-hmm. to YouTube, but these are things that are not commercially available in the United States yet. So um, it maybe never will be. I mean, I don't. Know, these maybe are maybe never will be. Not like you, you would you would form. need like special edition home video things, and and I know that that's a thing that happened that they announced, but I I don't know to what extent those are going to be. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a yeah, second. Exactly. So yeah, but if you want to, in terms of what you need to watch and listen to to catch up for this episode, if you want to listen to the audio drama, somebody has done uh, kind of like animatics they've they've done a fan video it's great dude. that you can find it. with with images of the characters and the translation on the screen because this is a thing that that came as part of an audio cd uh back in gosh 1996 i want to say God, uh yeah even going after the end it was yeah from a 1996 album called neon genesis evangelion edition and it was written and directed by Anno, 
and it's like a, a parody and we'll we'll talk all about it but if you want to find that and listen to it it's in three sections on, mm-hmm. on youtube that's and that's about the length of an episode it's like a full episode yeah <laughs> yeah uh all told and then the other thing i want to cover is um you don't need to watch anything but there was a, a proposed movie and ending of the show from the mecha designer ikuto yamashita uh and it's fucking wild it's crazy <laughs> i was i was i was reading it in earlier this morning when you sent it to me and it's very surreal i was kind of like i woke up really early and i i had been awake for a few hours and i was getting like sleepy again and i was reading it while i was kind of like half asleep and it it, it had kind of like a weird like did i just dream some of this shit like very much feels it's very strange especially like yeah when you the more you know the series the more you're sort of like visualizing it as you're reading it you're like yeah this is so yeah that'll be fun yeah so we can continue to like kind of just shoot the shit and catch up and talk about all things Evangelion specifically and, you know, anime in general uh, as well. But if we're rusty, you know, we're out of practice, you know, so John Wick style had to like, you know, break (laughs) into the floor and dig out the uh, mics and the headphones and, you know. Here to talk about Evangelion. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back, you know, that kind of thing. Is that what he says? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone keeps asking me if I'm back. Everyone keeps asking me if I want to talk about Evangelion. Yeah, I think I want to I want talk, talk about, about Evangelion. Evangelion. <laughs> there you go, guys. Uh, <laughs> we still got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but but those are the those I think are the three things that I just wanted to kind of clear the decks and finish yeah. talking about anything related to End of Evangelion, especially stuff that we promised we were going to talk about before we started talking about any of the new material. And there's still probably some old stuff that might pop up. Uh, you know, I did find tr- translations of the original proposal document mm-hmm. um, for the series itself because I was looking at different endings and alternate endings to the mm-hmm. series because that was the stuff I, I kind of wanted to spend the time today talking about. Um, I don't think we'll go into that too deeply, but... There may be stuff that comes up, but yeah. I wanted to kind of cover these three well, things. Well, and especially then. because, the, as we're going to get to it, some of the, you can sort of see how the, th- the three of the things, the three things that you brought up for this, uh, all seem a little bit like experimental, you know, whether they're intentionally like serious or jokes or, you know, things they didn't end up trying. It's like all of the sort of question of like kind of how Anno and his, you know, team of, of brilliant creative artists and everything were, were figuring out what this thing is or could be mm-hmm. and then what it, you know, what it could maybe go on to be, you know, from there. And then of course that bridges the gap to what they actually ended up doing a number of years later. Yeah. You definitely see the DNA, the continued evolution of like ideas and images and concepts showing up more fully formed in other things. It's a lot like Star Wars in that way where you'll see old Ralph McQuarrie like concept art from the original mm-hmm. Star Wars continue to be reused and repurposed in the newer stuff. You know, there are, there are characters on Star Wars Rebels that are based on like initial Chewbacca designs. Mm-hmm. So they're still sort of mining the initial concepts and ideas that which, came out of that first. Which I think is what's cool about something like a franchise like this anyways is like if you at a certain point when when you have so many people working on stuff you are getting ideas in a lot of different forms and it's all sort of like Mm -hmm. you know it's all it all exists in an office somewhere or on a hard drive somewhere and you know like file folders and stuff and it's like you know it's interesting to see how they try things out and you know miss miss hits or misses and i don't know yeah just this well of Mm -hmm. ideas 
from people all throughout, you know, God, go 25 years. This is the it's 25th so anniversary of Evangelion. Just earlier this month mm-hmm. was the 25th anniversary of the first episode airing. God, that's crazy. 25 years of Evangelion. And two years of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Wait, when did we start doing it? Uh, right before it was supposed to come on Netflix. I don't know. That might have been like 2018. End of 2018 or early 2019? Something like that. Because, uh, I mean, remember, they were they, there's a big Netflix announcement. That oh, it was God. supposed to come in the spring. And then yeah, they, spring of 2019? I don't remember. But it then it was, like, it was like the announcement was like six months later or something. Oh, God, yeah. What a we'll weird... Back in our own episodes. Yeah, Kevin was asking me the other day what the best episode of the show was. He was think, of Evangelion. No, 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 of the, of our the sync ratios. Hmm. He and I think he was just he was just like maybe he was just thinking about it and he was just curious like if we had an immediate answer. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like it's probably one of the ones with him on it, like one of the later Listeners, ones. Listeners, you tell us. No, that's kind of what I'm getting at here. <laughs> like, if anybody wants to say what the best episode is, I mean, we could probably look at the things and it's see. It's that the, one where I excitedly recount every second of the Evangelion versus Godzilla ride. From <laughs> Universal Studios. I know that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> that was just, a, no, that was a good episode. It's just me, Chris Farley, showing it up, and then mm-hmm. Jet Jaguar is in the background, <laughs> and like Ray comes down with a shield and protect it was awesome yeah no i think i think that was a pretty good one i think because that was i i like the one with lacy i was kind of like man the lacy ones had Lacey, are cool Lacey i think the second lacy one probably is yeah our mics were kind of shitty and so the audio wasn't great but it was just fun to have uh a totally different perspective from somebody well, that, and that was like <laughs> a unique have more thing, guests because it was an actual it was an actual like reunion of a friendship that happened like live on the air and that's yeah what, and then we, we never saw her again <laughs> well yeah I guess I have. I haven't seen her since. I talked. I mean, she'll hear this. I mean, we talk on Twitter and stuff like that. I think. I hope she's doing okay. Yeah, Lacey, come back on the show. Yeah, well, we see, I mean, at the very least, we can just Zoom things with people. Might as well. Yeah, uh, we've done a couple long distance episodes, yeah. and the, the audio is not terrible. No, so. and I think Zoom would even be better, and we could probably, if we needed to, figure something out. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of possibilities with what's going to happen um, with this. But this, you know, this is just us kicking it back off and. Saying hi and saying here we're you know rusty but we're getting it back and uh, hopefully we'll figure out some kind of a schedule. I don't actually. This is just this is this is totally just shop talk on the thing, but I don't actually know what the way to do the theatrical movie like the rebuild or whatever we're calling them. Like in terms of like, do we do multiple a, a episodes episode? per thing? Do we just do, you know like I don't I don't know. I guess we'll figure that out. Uh, just may- something to think may- about. Maybe two episodes per movie. Yeah, maybe we just I break it see. up in half and yeah. just treat them because they don't have breaks like the. They, they don't. don't. They They're don't. not done in that way. But so. I bet we could figure like a point and say, okay, we'll do like half of the thing. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, so we'll cover those, but let's before we get into any new stuff, I guess sort of break the news that hit just a couple days ago, brought, <laughs> brought oh, yeah. to our attention by listeners. Uh, of the show that G Kids has licensed all of the original series, Death and End of Evangelion, so all the stuff that Netflix has rights mm-hmm. to. They have theatrical and Blu-ray rights for here in the United States, which is great. I mean, it I, I, I like. It's funny because I think we'd all sort of just like kiss that goodbye, like that was never going to happen. Yeah. 
I'm not. Are you familiar with that? With G, G Kids is the name. Yeah, of the G Kids is G Kids is rad. They put out a lot. I mean, they put out Weathering with You. Okay, so that's what I was gonna ask. Is like, do we already need the titles that I have? Because I haven't. I'm just not familiar yes, with the name they, of the company. They're just a okay. you know a distributor of anime in the West, and I, in my opinion, they've done a pretty good job, and and they do a lot of titles that I like. Did they do your name as well, or? Uh, I th- maybe I'm not sure. Uh, I would assume so. But yeah, lots of stuff, you know, and the, and the the cool but also kind of tragic thing right now, given the state of the world, is that they do, you know, fathom events. Yeah. So the idea that they have the theatrical distribution rights means we could have had some a night at the movies, a theatrical event, you know, we could finally see End of Evangelion on the big screen. I would love subtitled that. Subtitled here in America, you know, an experience that being fans of this show for as long as we have been, we've never been able to see it in a theater. Nope. And that would be pretty fucking rad. Would you go to a drive-in to see Evangelion? Sure. I don't love the drive-in because I'm I am such a sound. How, wait, how does the nerd. sound work in Because you've been to one recently, and I have not. And you just turn your car. It's the radio, radio thing. Yeah. yeah. See, my car, like the my antenna is broken on my car. I feel like it would suck, anyways. Yeah, and it does, and it just doesn't feel entirely real. So I'd certainly do it, and and I would rather go to the drive-in to see there's something like dumb, like Bloodshot. I think was the yeah. first movie that I went to see at the drive-in during the pandemic. Um, but like movies that I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah. I'd be more happy to do of like well here's some weird different way to watch it but Mm -hmm. i would love to see it in a big stadium seating theater with big loud sound and ideally a crowd of fans that you know are into it that are going to cheer when asuka blasts out of the out of the lake and takes on those mass production models you know damn do you do do you remember what the last movie you saw in the theater was before all this i was trying to remember Mm. this the other day i could figure it out i don't fully remember I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. what it would have been. It's a good question. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been back in end of or beginning of March for me, or end of February. I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah, you'd have to give me some time to like comb my mind. But I would. Yeah, I would kill to love to do that. I mean, so they have the rights, theater. so it's possible in yeah. the future, and in, in this distant future that the goalpost keeps moving of when exactly we're waiting for anything to change and if it ever can change and you know, who knows, but it is nice to know that they have that. So that is a possibility. It's actually a positive thing that if they do those fathom events, if it's as opposed to a traditional distribution thing, because if they just have the rights to that, that's probably a long contract. And that way the, the whole fathom event thing, they can basically just like, post up stuff at a theater and advertise. And so like, it's, it's not the same as needing to market a theatrical release you know, a la like like a mm-hmm. you know like Quiet Place Two is the famous one that they blew all the money and it was supposed to come out and then everything shut down. So yeah. it's like they lost money on marketing in the movie. Did it ever come out? I don't even think it did. Quiet Place Two, no. And it's like and it's like you know so so it's good that it's the kind of thing that like basically when theaters start coming back up, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they're yeah. not. And more they can fa- do it periodically. Events. You know, they did yeah. they did Tokyo. Go- I wanted to see Tokyo Godfathers. They did Satoshi yeah. Kon's Tokyo Godfathers as as a fan. I've never event seen shortly before or maybe right as the pandemic was hitting uh it's a, they just did a new transfer out on blu-ray so this holiday season i recommend okay. yeah get yourself a blu-ray of tokyo godfathers it takes place on christmas eve i think that might be the it only is, satoshi kon movie satoshi i have is the and i haven't seen uh, straight story so forgive me for this oh, sure. uh, for this 
but I think that I think it works. But yeah, it is it, it, Tokyo Godfathers. If if Satoshi Kon is the you know David Lynch of anime, yes. then Tokyo Godfathers is his straight story. Yes, yes. Uh, which is just like a, kind of a sweet, warm-hearted. I mean, there's elements of the surreal in Tokyo Godfathers, but for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. Heartwarming story of three homeless people having to take care of a baby <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I'm surprised I've never seen it. It it's was the first great. one I heard about from him, or the first one that came out once I became aware of him, but I didn't really have a context. And then when I saw the other ones, and then I realized that was him, I was like, what the fuck? That's such a weird... Yeah. But I'm cool. Yeah, I should... That, that, uh, when, if it comes out, when it comes out on Blu-ray, I should watch it. Yeah. So, and, and, and long story short, just as another chance for me to waste more money on buying another... I won't say waste. I can't yeah. say that. But to, to make me buy again another yes. version of Evangelion. Of course, always. Because they, they're saying there's you know going to be two editions, so there'll be some sort of ultimate edition, which will be the one that I'll have to get. Oh, like there's going to be like a standard edition yeah. and like something with... Yeah. But that, I wonder what it'll have in terms of special features, because there's sort of... I feel like it's like... Anime and stuff doesn't traditionally have box. a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really do... Um, I guess it depends. There, there, there might be... But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really care if it's just all Western extras and not involved. You know, no I would just love to see like because like, the nice thing about every every time Miyazaki does a movie and he's like he for whatever reason always almost seemingly always has like a behind the scenes thing. Like I feel mm. like, and then they eventually made that documentary. But there's all those ones where you just get to see him like being a grumpy guy like working at the office. I would love to see well, the, if there's I mean, anything like that of the like, thing that we're just what about the, what the to environment was like. That'd discuss. Be cool. Yeah, goodness. Um, the the live action cut of yeah let's just do it episode twenty six was not available anywhere until two thousand three when it came out on a DVD collection in Japan so oh really okay it's possible that stuff like that might make its way over I don't know that I would, would love cool. to see a cleaned up version because the version we watched that that you can find on YouTube is pretty low quality and I mean I think it, I think it looks like it was shot mini DV potentially anyways it's very because this would have been nineteen ninety eight or no, I mean, 97 was when 97. the movie came out, so they probably yeah. shot it in 96. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so this is like early video, and, you know, it's not a. It, it, I mean, it looks well, like. We, they are just, we talking about that? Yeah, uh, let's one just last do thing it. on the okay. Blu ray release, I'll just want to say that I don't think they've said yet what uh, translation it's oh, going to be. Oh, shit. Or what dub it's going to be. So, we don't know if this is the new Netflix dub. That's an interesting or if question. This is the old Spike Spencer and Company dub from ADV. And uh, whether it's the "I love you" or mm-hmm. the "You're worthy of my grace" version, oh God, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't see them springing for a whole new dub, but they could spring for a new translation of the dialogue. You know, new subtitles. I guess it just depends on because it it did it did feel like the Netflix translation was sometimes overly literal. Yeah. Or less. You know, just in some ways, in general, not as good of a translation. But it seems like know, there was always going to be different. It seems like they were they were making at least some kind of self-aware efforts to like explain things in a different way or something like I don't know. It seems like somebody somebody was like responding to what they'd done before or something. Yeah, like maybe. That. Yeah, so I'm curious what we'll get on the Blu-ray. I guess it depends on whether or not Netflix like owns all that stuff and whether or not mm-hmm. this deal has anything to do with their things because it's also you know like. They've already, I mean, those Netflix things are HD transfers of the images, so it's like either they're going to try to license that, yeah. you know, video. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So we'll find out. Uh, I'm not getting in that robot. <laughs>
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they team up to make an even the worst dub yet is the goal. <laughs> Shinji, why don't you get into the Ava? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was a reference to the talking. Po- <laughs> Did you see the clip of the talking Pikachu? In the oh Pikachu. God! That's Pikachu. one of my favorite. Was like, why won't you get into your Pokeball? And it's with the guy it's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, there's a guy in the theater that shouts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what. That's the first really time good. Pikachu says like words. <laughs> oh my God! We're gonna I'm, we're gonna cut that in. Pikachu, why won't you get in your Pokeball? It's because. What? <laughs> <laughs> We started doing that towards the end where I was editing in sound clips and oh, stuff, so I'm gonna have to find the audio from that. It's because it. I want to be with you. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Uh, it, now we can talk about the live action yeah, let's do se- it. sequence. So obviously, in Enemy of Evangelion, you see there are live there yeah. remnants of this live action footage shows up with the uh, the music. And mm-hmm. the shots of the theater mm-hmm. <laughs> and the street. So you were describing what it looks like. It looks like, if you haven't seen it or you don't have YouTube or you can't find the clip or you don't care, it <laughs> looks like the footage of the streets and the city that that do end up as the live-action sequences in End of Evangelion during the instrumentality sequence. Mm-hmm. It also looks like, you pointed out... Uh, love and Pop, which yeah. I don't remember if that was the first live action thing he did yeah. after this i think mm-hmm. it was and it, it was. and it's that that was a movie that he was sort of weirdly similar to spike lee's bamboozled i think like like <laughs> where both movies were shot using i think what at the time was like sort of like consumer grade mini dv or what they used to call like prosumer grade which is like so these aren't uh. like it's not like they're shoot, shooting on like you know uh this is before hd i guess existed but it's like it's you know these are the kind of things that a film school student shoots on and it has an interesting look to it but also at the time these were the smallest cameras that had sort of like ever really been available yeah the big thing in love and pop is there's mm-hmm. a sequence where the camera is attached to a model train set well the camera's attached to a ton of shit that's like one of, that's the most yeah. distinct one but like he's doing things where he's like taping it on the inside of the actor's legs mm. or it'll be like you know it's like stuff where you open up the refrigerator door and the camera's on the you know like he's yeah. he's using the fact that the camera can love be put places again you still you have it. At I least. have it, the DVD of it. Yeah, but it just becomes a thing of like, well, if we cover it on the show, is there any way that listeners can watch the movie for themselves? <laughs> Not legally, really. I think the last time I looked, it was on like eBay or Amazon. Like DVD copies were selling for like a hundred bucks, I think. Damn. So maybe more at this. Point, I don't know. I mean, I considered watching that again and talking about it. We just have to be. I'd mi- like to. mindful of how we do that and and knowing that not everybody would be able to actually have the thing, but. So I don't know how worthwhile that is if you're a fan of the anime who's going to listen to an episode of a movie directed by the guy who did it that I can't obtain to watch for myself. Uh, like, write it in and let us know. I mean, yeah. Also, I think I mean, I do think that, like, you know, again, I, I know that we, we slightly differ on this stuff, but I do think it's the kind of thing that, that you know, look, I mean, if you want to see the movie, see the movie however you can. I mean, it's it's definitely can be gotten in less than legal ways, but it almost cannot be gotten in legal ways at all at this point. So yeah, I guess I'll sort of look into that. I wonder if there's any sort of 
you know, plan plan to release any sort of version? Pro- probably not. It just seems like that should be so easy. It seems like that should just for all the trash that like Netflix and Amazon just buy in these like <laughs> yeah. bundles that just they have like things that are shot on video and stuff. And it's like they should just why why is, why not just have that on it there? Just pops up on Tubi. I mean, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me at this point. It's going to be owned by some distributor in Japan that you know could make one of those package deals. And I'm trying to remember who put it out, who put out the DVD that I have. Um, some some now defunct label like the old. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of those ones. It's not like Midnight Eye or something, but it's right. like T- Tokyo Shock, which was part of what there was Tartan Asian Extreme. Yeah, yeah. Put out a lot of the uh, J horror stuff. Anyway, so it looks like that, and there there is a lot of that. There's, I think, there's a sequence where it's attached to like the cameras on the back of a bike. <laughs> yeah. It's the close up on the actress riding a bike. Uh, just a big good bum Post- shot. Posterior there, yeah. just a just full, you know. But it's it's so funny because like the quality is so poor that you can't even really see any like actual definition it's just the abstract shape that you know is like a woman's she's wearing like leather pants or something right because it was just supposed to be misato or is it i think Asuka? it was asuka yeah i mean let's explain what this thing is yeah, so, there, so bizarre. there are elements of the footage that show up in the movie and and what i always knew it as was a weird trailer the the bootleg version mm-hmm. um oh, your mailman just came oh. the bootleg version that i had of end of evangelion had this theatrical trailer which played the um music from end of evangelion called what is it like crack in the moon or something it's the one that sounds like the young and the restless like <laughs> it was just like the bum, bum, yeah, yeah. Bum, bum. it was playing that over this live action footage and like narration and it was like okay well i guess this is evangelion related because they're playing evangelion music but i can't tell what this has to do with anything and then it was like in between the two movies or something, or two halves of the movie. And the, yeah. Some, some yeah. weird reason why it was included on there. And I could never figure out what the fuck it was. No, I remember watching it the first time at your, oh, your old apartment and, and it's asking like a woman you, using the bathroom. Yeah. And like, this music playing. And the vague, in the vague implication that some of the women on screen were, were meant to be the characters from the anime, yeah. but, but with very little effort really made. Very mysterious. Yeah. So that footage existed. So we knew that there was something, and then as the internet slowly caught up to, you know, providing information, I remember reading that there was this live-action sequence that Anno had shot that had been cut. There are remnants of it behind, but it's it's this kind of mini... Like, it's a, it seems to be, at the end of the day, the movie's answer to the romantic comedy section of the last two episodes of the show. Yes. Which is here's a representation of an alternate reality, an alternate possibility of what life could be like for these characters, but instead of being a anime high school romantic yeah, and comedy, instead, instead of uh, Ray having the toast in her mouth and everything, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a uh, live action love and poppy kind of Shinji Owai, like yeah, weird yeah. Japanese drama version of their lives without Shinji. Yeah, specifically, it's sort of like it's the, it's the, like the it's a wonderful life yes. version of the thing. If Shinji and the Evangelions didn't exist, what would the, the the lives of these characters be like a few years on down the line? So it just is a, a kind of a day in the life. It's like a twenty. Well, like I said, it's twelve. It's a twelve minute mm-hmm. thing. Um, and Asuka and Misato are neighbors. But they don't seem to know each other from because again it's like no. an alternate dimension. So they are neighbors, but they're just neighbors. They don't they didn't like work together in this capacity. No. And in Asuka seems to be 
in her like twenties or something like that. Yeah, I couldn't tell. The stuff I saw online said she was like a, a student. I mean, she calls the other girl that she speaks to senpai. Mm-hmm. So but they're like, it, at, it looks like they're at a it job. It looks like they're at like an office job where they're laying, you know, setting up papers for a for a meeting. Yeah. But I one of the things I said online referred to her being in in high school, and it talks she's talking to her classmate. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm not sure, but it seemed to me like she was in her early 20s. I mean, she's living alone in an apartment in the city. Yeah, that's what I... And she has a new boyfriend. Oh, she does have a new boyfriend (laughs) that just moved in. Yeah, that they're the lovebirds that have been presumably making a lot of, you know, noise. Sorry, newcomer, but I had to bone you really loudly. (laughs) And annoy... And annoy the neighbors. (laughs) Yeah. My neighbor, Misato. Yeah, it's Toji. Like, that's the first thing you see is Asuka wakes up from a dream. Uh Like, oh, what a weird dream. Oh boy! Look at <laughs> there's fucking Toji asleep. We did it again. You know she's like it's like weird. It's like because it was confusing at first because it almost is sort of like the Masato Kaji relationship is yeah, being yeah. transposed onto because it's like, and that's I was confused when we were watching it because again like like not to sound like like ridiculous or or obvious but like the actors that are portraying the characters are not like I said styled in any way so like. Asuka doesn't have like red hair or anything. Like there's right. not, they just look like Japanese women. But and they are the voice actresses. They are, They're yeah. Teams, yeah. So it's like so, but it's like there's it's like it's like a weird jarring thing because you sort of can get the sense, but also nothing you're seeing is telling you that. So you're I looking will say, at the words in the version that we watched on YouTube. Whoever did the subtitles was kind enough to put. I mean, you can tell because of the voices to some extent, but Asuka's subtitles are in red. And yeah. Misato's subtitles are in purple. <laughs> yeah, so no, it's super helpful. The subtitles match their hair and outfits. Well, because the way he's shooting it also doesn't really always... Mitsuko's you can't yellow. see who's talking necessarily because a lot of it's done in these weird shots. It's like shots. half voiceover. Mm-hmm. Well, like 80% voiceover and like 20% actually spoken dialogue. Yeah, so it's like it's like it's like Asuka wakes up and she sort of like looks over and sees and there's just like a... I don't, we don't really see his face or anything, but she's sort of complaining about like how, oh, like, you know... Like, I didn't want to... You know. Our subtitles call him Stupid Toji. Yeah, it's like she's sort of complaining about, like, kind of, you know, making this mistake again that she, <laughs> you know, slept with him and let him stay over. And she's sort of, li- she's sort of like, living a Masato-type lifestyle where her place is kind of a mess and she's, But Masato, once we see the real Masato, she... It's clear that that's Misato. Like, yeah, it's yeah, even yeah. messier over at Misato's place. But it's yeah, and it's it's They're sort tiny of, apartments. It's like, what that's what's funny Tokyo about it apartments. is that like they it, it's completely real. I mean, I almost would guess that these are just real apartments from people who either worked at Gynex at the time or even like I mean because mm-hmm. they look like the like places I've stayed in like you know Airbnbs where you you know rent somebody's apartment in mm-hmm. Tokyo and you stay there and it's like they're they're very small. I mean, it's a stereotype. That at this point that everyone's seen in movies but it's true i mean it's a big city and there's not a lot of space and mm-hmm. you know it's like how new york is but maybe even a little bit more extreme and so there's something strange even just about seeing the what the reality would look like 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 sure. when you watch the show and it's like you get a sense of a real place and then you watch this and you're like well that's what it probably would actually look like in masato's place it's pretty <laughs> cool it's fun i like yeah. it yeah, so she wakes up. You can see condom wrappers on the floor. She goes to use the toilet. I th- the, the Ava Geeks thing that I saw, the synopsis talks about her taking a morning after pill, which I guess hmm. I, I wasn't entirely looking for. Mm. But Would the morning after pill have been commonly used at, in, in 1997, 1997 in Japan? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's an interesting bit of 
on the continuing theme of this podcast of things that we don't know. Yeah, we'll look that up later. Yeah, we'll uh, look it up later. We'll, we'll let you know. But I mean, I don't even when the morning after pill became that regularly used. I mean, here. I certainly remember it when it was a thing, uh, hotly contested here in the in the states. But would that have been when were you in high school? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe right after. Anyway. Anyway. I'm not important. Cu- no, it's a curiosity though. But yeah, we cut to Misada who is complaining about that and and and. <laughs> talking on the phone to Ritzko. To Ritzko, yeah. Who we don't ever see. Don't get to see her voice actress. Nope. Unfortunately. Um But <laughs> Ritzko's like, well, that sounds like fun. Like mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting Evangelion style psychoanalytical talk, casual conversation that mm-hmm. the stuff that struck me was a lot of Misato talking about um men just always needing mothers and sort of looking for a mother figure mm-hmm, to take mm-hmm. care of them. And then women sort of falling into that role because it's like comfortable. Yeah. The, the security of the role, the security of having thing, someone yeah. to take care of and that sort of thing. But I did think it was interesting to have Misato be the one to vocalize the idea of, Oh, men just want a mother figure. Mm-hmm. All those men who, who think I'm the best girl, they just want to be mothered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so a sort of in- interesting. Uh, she looks fans. right at the camera when she says it too. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does do that. She gets, she does the, the peace sign, you know, the, the, yeah. <laughs> the Japanese photo pose, the V. Uh, Calling you out. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ritsuko, I mean, the, their relationship seemed kind of similar in yeah. this alternate universe. Like they're still sort of friends and still yeah, chatty college friends, yeah, college just... college buddies. And there's one great moment that that you and I both got a kick out of where they bump into each where where yeah. We're... So she's like talking to Ritsuko on the phone and like they're really psychoanalyzing this girl and talking about her loud sex and then steps out onto the onto the you know that's the uh, like a breezeway. Yeah, the breezeway. There's like a Ichi the killer has like that whole big like fight scene mm-hmm. in this. If you've seen. Tokyo apartments and movies before you'll recognize the breezeway. Mm-hmm. You're never supposed to hang out outside there. You're not supposed to be loud outside there. Oh, is that? The I thing? mean, it's just a politeness thing. But that was the sure. last time I had an Airbnb, they were like really, really stressed. Like, do not hang out outside and like don't talk, don't be loud. That like, makes sense. Know. Man, Japan. No, they're just they're polite. Listen, they got, they've is, got their problems, but there's so many things about Japan that are just like, oh man. The general leave people alone kind yeah. of attitude. Yeah, fucking great. <laughs> just leave me the fuck alone. Avoid, avoid conflict. Yeah. Walk orderly. Don't shut uh, the fuck up. Don't mm-hmm. stand on the breezeway. Yeah, don't fucking, don't, don't, don't bother your, your neighbors. Don't put your trash out two days ahead of time. Oh, yeah, the trash is a big thing too. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the things my Japanese teacher like made a big deal about was like, you know, if you leave your trash out there, they're going to, you know, come knock, knock, knock. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and if you sort it wrong, there's like at the Airbnbs, they would always be like, if you can't figure out how to sort the trash, just leave it and I'll do it. Like, yeah, I think, I think I've told the story before my first trip to Japan where they have at the fast food restaurants, like the three different trash cans oh, yeah. for the different waste and like trying to figure it out. And then uh, an attendant very quickly coming over yes. to be like, let me do that for you. Please mm-hmm. go away. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, always better. In the to... politest way, mm-hmm. like the way that didn't make me feel like garbage, no. but like, uh, I got it. <laughs> yeah, it's more important that things be done correctly yes. <laughs> than you make the effort and fail. Yes. But yeah, they like bump into each other and have this awkward, like both trying to get past at the same time kind of thing. Because they both got bags, I guess, and they're both, and of the, garbage. The doors or, are open. You know. Yeah, no, they're taking the trash out. Like they, they, you see her sort the trash and they're taking, they bump into each other. Like Asuka's doors open so Masato can't get by and there's kind of a like a, <laughs> are you going or am I going thing? And he does such a great Ano thing, which is just a great thing of like, 
seeing his style translate from animation to live action for I guess the first time if you'd been like a fan of his like watching yeah and that that even though he's very clearly working with like available light and he's working with like I said like probably like a consumer grade camera and the ability to just do it like though on these like wide shots of like it's already awkward at close up and Mm. he cuts wide and then he cuts wide at like a like an off-axis angle (laughs) to continue to show how awkward it is that they they're they're, like stuck in this sort of like are you oh ha kind of thing not only are they like stuck there but like that she was just talking about yeah this woman next door (laughs) like like Misato was just talking to her friend about her most intimate stuff mm-hmm. and then like oh there she is like eh, gotta be polite like i wasn't <laughs> yeah and it's, i mean it's, and it's like yeah i mean you could probably hear through those walls i mean it's the whole thing anyways but yeah but yeah and then so, so Great then, scene. and then it, then it follows asuka and she's that's when you get the bike riding shot yeah that and is, that's just the and then the music starts that's from the live action sequence in the movie which is yezu joy of man's desiring i believe i think so uh beautiful piece mm-hmm Lovely piece. You're listening to Sync Ratios on NPR. <laughs> yeah, sync Ratios. Uh, coming from his uh, romantic period. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we follow Asuka to look to me like work. Yeah. To talk to uh, a coworker or classmate. Their subtitles were in blue. I was trying to be like, is that Hikari? Is yeah, it supposed to be that someone was the that only we know? guess that it would be, but they don't really make anything clear. I don't, I don't, think. I don't think it was Megumi who plays Rey, um, although we do see her in the live action shot mm-hmm. of the movie of the three voice actresses. But not in this at all. In the, I mean, no, I don't think that was her. Um, but they just like kind of bitch about Toji and, <laughs> yeah. and men. And relationships, and I would watch that movie, stuff like that. Yeah. If it had been a whole movie, I would gladly, like you said, it's just like a like a Shunji Oi kind of, you know. Yeah, just like kind of a little hangout thing with like kind of low stakes. Like like a Woody Allen movie in Japan, I would watch that. Yeah, and then we follow Asuka away from that down the street, and it it all feels very much like the segments from the movie, and we have this kind of floating camera that seems to be this ghostly perspective and then we hear a loud voice mm-hmm. from behind her say oscar and she <laughs> turns around and the camera kind of like moves to like hide like drifts away uh-huh. and then she keeps on walking and then we hear the voice say i'm not here and the voice seems to be shinji uh-huh. like, the shinji's flame perspective but the voice is performed by ano himself yeah but it does lend credence to that whole idea of okay so what is in is instrumentality is happening and Shinji is sort of being shown these alternate mm-hmm. realities. Mm-hmm. Here's a version of reality that doesn't include him. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of in some ways the same old shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't know what, what exactly how this informs his decision to come back. Yeah. I don't, I guess other than just, yeah, because it's not the It's a Wonderful Life thing where it's like the answer is like... Nobody oh, seems better or worse off without no. him. I mean, obviously, the state there's no angels in like a apoc- yeah. looming apocalypse. It's just kind of like whatever, but it it, it it isn't like, God, things are so much worse without you, Shinji. And it's also yeah. not like, oh, look how much happier everybody is. It's kind of just... No, it's just another thing, which I suppose is like, I suppose on some level could support that it's like that it that 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 it comes down to his decision not not a decision that is sort of forced on him because he's reckoning with you know what i mean like that like it's not about whether things are better or worse with 
with or without him, it's about whether or not he wills himself to exist or something, you know, like, I th- right. Like, is he going to make the choice or, you know? Right. And then I'm not sure how exactly this would have worked its way back into the traditional animation, you know, segment of the movie, like back into the reality, which is probably why it didn't really get used. I would think, unless do you have more information on that? Like, what I, the- I don't have a ton. I mean, I, I was looking around a little bit and found some, you know, dubious <laughs> sources, uh, Kind of suggest, but yeah, I mean, I think it would have segued back into that somehow. I, I, I can see why it's interesting and it's a nice curiosity. I, it's just bizarre, though. Like, I, I you and I watched it, and mm-hmm. I was sort of like, try, I'm trying to imagine what that would have been like to just for over 10 minutes cut to this live action thing and try to keep up with what I, it, I think it's kind of like I, I see a little bit like, like the, there's that thing you see in movies sometimes and there's different versions of it, but like things where there's like a fake movie within the movie. Yeah. And, and I find that a lot of times those don't really work as well as you think that they will, because Mm -hmm. it becomes just the nature of production. And like, if you're making a whole movie already and like the resources you can allocate to effectively like completely redesigning something so that it looks like Mm -hmm. you're fighting a losing Mm -hmm. battle with yourself because almost any movie is struggling with their own resources to just make the movie work. And so you're going to end up with like, you know, just a bunch of shots from one location to try to facsimilate something. And I wonder about like, if you were going to do something like this to where it was going to cut to like, it's like, I wonder if the better way to do it would have been to like make it really expensive and to try to replicate (laughs) the style of it. You know what I'm saying? Like if it was really, really like brightly lit and it kind of like had the sort of rhythms and things in like the, it's like to where it would be like jarring, but understandably the same thing or something. Whereas this, I almost wonder if it wasn't just because it's so obviously this like low budget thing that they kind of shot in their friends' apartments and they like, it doesn't really look or feel like it. To me, that almost makes it more palatable because. No, I find it interesting, but I wonder if that's why. Yeah, sure from it to where it is sort of like wow like the reality of it would be so different like is it not not that this is what you're suggesting but it's not like you know like the dragon ball movie where it's like <laughs> well, we gotta spike up his hair because yeah, it gotta yeah. have like the no, anime yeah, hair yeah. just like that uh like i wouldn't want or like or like 3d homer right yeah <laughs> or just like you know her in a purple wig with like the red jacket on and exactly a live action pink well maybe i do want a live action no see that's it's like like but if you think about it yeah i mean you don't want it to look like silly but at the same time if you think about like like some of the um the mike movies where he's doing things that are based on anime or or manga Mm -hmm. and and he finds a way to kind of get a style that you understand that there's a, but it's not replicating it exactly. Cause a lot of times I'm not familiar with the titles and I'll just know that, but you can kind of sense it. Like mm-hmm. I can, but again, it's like you would need the production level of a whole movie. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I just want, I, I'm just saying, I wonder if that's not, if I'm yeah. on it when I do that and I put it all together, I'm like, does that f- feel right? I, or do I, I, I think just... I would have eventually come to embrace it. It would have been, it's already jarring enough to cut to live action yeah. in the movie at the point that it does. And it's fairly brief. And kind of of a similar cinematic language in terms of you know we 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 have like montage stuff going on before and after, and so it just it kind of fits in to be like well yeah we're just seeing live action images and stuff. but to do like live action narrative to pause yeah. and do that probably would have been a bigger ask of the audience so I can see why they didn't do it 
I guess I'd be curious to see it edited in completely mm-hmm. just to see what that experience is like. But yeah. Anyway, I don't miss it. Certainly, no. It's not like, oh, shit, that should have been in there. No, it just makes me want to watch Love and Pop, honestly. Yeah. Or or, or Ritual Day, like I, which which has I some... love to see that again. I remember liking that one more than I think Love Ritual Pop. Day has sh- has some like visual styling that is more similar to Evangelion in in like in the way that it's, it's com- got a lot composing. of the industrial fetish yeah i'm thinking of stuff. Sh- like stuff of like like shunji's character like watching trains and like the cat yeah. there's like shots of the camera behind his head and trains passing by in the horizontal and it's like things like that that look like evangelion whereas like love and pop is so specifically doing all these odd camera angles to to you know, really use this technology that they have these small cameras. And so he's not composing yeah. shots in the same way he would as an animator. And I think ritual day does some more of that. Love and Pop is an ickier story too. <laughs> yes, it is. I don't love it as much, but it is interesting. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what that's, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about that no, sequence? No, I just, it's just, it's just a fun extra thing that if you, if you didn't know it was out, I there, do think it should be on DVDs. Yeah. I would like to see it. Like it, it absolutely should be included as an extra on whatever version that they do. It would be so great. Mm-hmm. And just to have more context and, you know, stuff in, in English translated just from official sources explaining what exactly the fuck this thing is. And, and All it's and it's fun and I think it's worth it if you're if you're if you're as big of an admirer of of Anno's work as we are I think it's it's interesting to see any different uh, medium of expression that he chooses to use and especially like, so much. that he's experimenting with you live action him, it's cool I it's, mean this already is that sort of the fetishistic stuff of the mundane and the industrial in the show but I remember, and we'll get into this when we get into the rebuild movies, the, the You Are Not Alone, the first movie. But mm-hmm. there's like, I remember just in the trailers for that, like shots of the classroom, like classroom sinks and like bikes parked and stuff. And you can see him creating that in live action here in his live action films, mm-hmm. Love and Pop and Ritual Day or Ceremony Day, Shikijitsu. Yeah. Um, that you see him start to incorporate into animation more and more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's always interesting not to go off on a tangent but one of the things that i've recently did and i mentioned it because i had watched the ova the pat labor ovas you last gave me year those, right? those are the ones you yeah well i gave you the ovas because yeah, yeah. i bought they had like a sale on like sentai filmworks i think of like mm-hmm. a um, the whole everything pat labor that exists like the whole yeah, I'm excited to watch it. the three movies the ova the like tv show and then something else and if you're not familiar with pat labor that's Mamoru Oshii's original series. So he's the guy who directed the Ghost in the Shell movie. Yes. And it's really fascinating to see one of the earlier things that he did because you can really see like, oh, here's the fucking birds show up. Mm-hmm. Like you can see when he like finds like, oh, I'm interested in birds. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The Pat Labor OVAs don't really have anything like that. And then like by the second Pat Labor movie, there's just like so much shit with birds flying. That's funny. And like long montages of people walking through the city. And it's like, well, I just goes in the shelves that I always know is this mm-hmm. extended sequence of her just walking through the city with music. And there's like two or three of those in Pat Labor two. Yeah. Of just like, oh, so like, here's where he got it from. Or mm-hmm, like here's mm-hmm. where he was kind of finding that voice and finding these interests and isn't you can sort of see that with Anno of like oh yeah i just want to here's this live action like photocopy machine or like a hole punch there's a mm-hmm. shot of a hole punch machine in the mm-hmm. live action evangelion sequence that's like yep yeah, this is the kind of stuff he's gonna start animating in the rebuild movies to some extent yeah i think and i think that's a cool 
especially yeah that, that there is a relationship between his observation in live action and in animation and in the and that we've talked about it before but that like for all the you know in anime as a as a medium is sort of known for all of the kind of expressive touches you know like the cliches for so long it's like right. the you know the blurry backgrounds and the like <laughs> you know like the you know like posing the fight poses in the background streaking behind like the, all this, the all this bubble the snot stuff. bubble on your nose when you sleep yeah it's like these like these these the touches of or like the 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 eye light you know like people's like you know eyes having that like uh-huh. it's like, like these kind of things that became sort of stylistic touchstones for the genre or the medium that that people could then replicate and sort of like make fun of but that that yes like anim- animation in general and anime in specific is great in in the expressive use of you know imagery that doesn't ex- exactly exist is what i'm saying but that some of the best animation and some of the best anime animation is where it's a good replication of real life as much as like things like mm-hmm. i mean the, the you know, miyazaki gets a lot of credit for that and i think that ano probably did learn that from him in terms of like yeah, okay, this may be a totally fantasy-oriented thing, but those little touches of, like, real detail that feels real and can actually connect to people's senses yeah. and connect... It, it, it's connecting to your senses, I think, is a huge thing, and the sound is always huge with Anno and stuff, but, like, with with, uh, with both Miyazaki and Anno, I think food is a big part of it. It's, like, finding touch <laughs> points that, like, you're like, no, I know what that tastes like. I know what that sounds like. I know what mm-hmm. that smells like. And that it puts you in a place of reality with the stuff, even though, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's you, in you an unreal world. You haven't watched Weathering with you yet. No, I haven't. A, there's a sequence where she cooks some food. Oh, man. And it's it's a pretty pretty good food-making scene. I mean, every time I think about the food stuff, and it's like I was making <laughs> spinach the other night, and I was some thinking Some people about don't it. like it because of the product placement, but I know Kevin watched it, and he sent us that gif of the, the McDonald's hamburger bun movie oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah weathering with you <laughs> like opening the thing and the the sponginess of the bun oh sure uh, that's funny it's, it's like actual mcdonald's oh yeah that's yeah. pretty fun yeah but no um, I was, every time i every time i make every time i cook spinach i think about um panyo the scene oh, where the mom's sure. making the ramen and she puts like a like the whole big thing of spinach and because it you know it wilts down to the size but like just like that's a great detail, like seeing her stuff the pot with spinach. I just think and of cover him. it and then it goes down. I don't know. You probably don't watch the uh, the dub version. I've never seen the dub because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Tina Fey that's the mom, right? And she's great. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. I believe yeah. it. I would like to see that actually. We, I, you know, we talk a lot of shit about dubs on here, but I, I do think all the Ghibli dubs are pretty good. Pretty solid. The Totoro yeah. one's great. You said you did you watch the dub the other yeah, night? Yeah, I watched Totoro just the other night. It's the both Fanning sisters. It's fantastic. It is the Fanning sisters and Tim Daly. Good old Tim Daly. He's oh, a solid voice there, yeah. actor. And Leah Salong, uh, who's the singing voice of Mulan. Oh, really? Uh, is the mother. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, yeah, I've, I've only seen that one once with my little sister many years ago, but I remember being like, this is pretty cool. Because the, the Fanning sisters, I think, were they're t- around They're typically age. pretty good. Sadly, one of the worst Ghibli dubs to me is Mononoke. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's too stunty casting. We saw it in the theater together. Yeah. And, it was like, and it's like good actors. It's like Jillian Anderson and Billy Bob Thornton. and Jada the, Pinkett Smith. But and it's Jillian and, Minnie and Billy Bob are the ones that are the most Billy like. Crudup. Claire Danes. Billy Crudup's all right. Some of them are good, but like Jillian and Billy Bob for some reason are, it just doesn't work. They're too like arch or something. Like yeah. it's too broad. I don't know. Uh, and I love the quality of Jillian's voice. Like, don't get me wrong. It took me years to appreciate that movie because you and I saw it in the theater dubbed first, and it and it the, the whole thing had a hokier feel to it. And it wasn't until I, I it's actually weird, yeah. I watched it in. I had a weird experience when I was in Argentina earlier this year, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Like, we watched it in 
Spanish. D- dubbed with, in Spanish with English subtitles? I can't remember how it worked. Cause we, or no, I think what we ended up deciding to do was we watched it in Japanese with Spanish subtitles. Mm. And I just was like, yeah, I've seen the movie a bunch of times, but I could just watch the imagery maybe. Because we, we had this problem a couple of times when you're living in a house sure. with people who, you know. I don't speak enough Spanish and they didn't speak enough English. So how do you just sort of like do that? But it's like, yeah, when, when pure Japanese, it, no one's happy, just raw Japanese. Well, that's, I mean, and I'm always down with that, but it's like, when you watch it like that, you really appreciate like the imagery because you're not like bothering with the words. And if you kind of know the story already and like, yeah, Mononoke's amazing movie, but it took me years to catch up with that one because it was like, it felt silly with those voices. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. There's something you know, that doesn't quite work. I mean, Neil Gaiman did the uh, helped with the script for the really? translation. I didn't know that. Which is cool, but... Maybe you know. I did. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, actually, all that talk about animation reminds me of a, a recommendation that, if I may make... Please. ...of a show called Keep Your Hands Off Azoken. You haven't even told me about this. Uh, or have you? I, I think I have. It's on Which HBO. It? it was on HBO Max, hmm. right? It Hopefully, it's still there. Well, Keep Your Hands out. Off Azoken. It's a... And I think it's like 12 episodes or something. It's an anime series, but it's about these three high school girls who are making anime in the anime club. That's oh, based that's on a fun. manga, but it's about the making of anime. And if you remember on this show of us talking about how Gainox got their start and like making anime, you know, their their con videos mm-hmm. together, it like it really shows you the physical process of animation of like oh, some of the cool. tools that they use, and then it also characterizes the roles. Like one of the my, one of my favorite characters is the producer character. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a a character who specializes in doing the backgrounds and the world building, and she likes to design all of like the city and the mech stuff. And then there's like the animator girl who's more interested in the movement of like what, what you were talking mm-hmm, about, which mm-hmm. like she gets obsessed with the idea of water being tossed out of a teacup mm-hmm. or tea, I guess, being tossed mm-hmm. out of a teacup, and the movement of that and the way bodies move. So she's like the character animator, and then there's the producer who's like, okay, great, but like we need to actually get this shit done. Yeah, <laughs> here's yeah, how yeah. we can get this done and. She doesn't care about the creative side. It's like, here's how we're going to make money off this so that we can do the next thing and blah, blah, blah. But then they get in a sound what's person. What's it called again? Keep your hands off Azocon. Okay, you can keep talking. I just wanted to um, search it on here. Yeah, see if it's on there. But, and then it also, there it is. Um, okay. Or Azoken, sorry. Keep your hands off Azoken. So yeah, HBO Max. So it's on HBO Max. If you're just interested in animation and anime, I just recommend it because in addition to showing the practical like how it's done there's also a lot of animation theory of like when you're on a budget here's how you create the illusion of motion or and you'll see the characters try it out and then they go into these fantasy sequences where they are imagining what it's going to look like and it goes into that it's the more fantastical side and then in the fantasy worlds there they this kind of relates to something we're going to talk about later in this episode mm-hmm. but it's the characters doing all the sound effects so mm. like all the and you can That's see fun. all this stuff lovingly animated but it'll talk about yeah where where motion comes from and like how you can sort of trick the audience into looking in a certain way and how you can save budget by you know well you don't need to move frames here Mm-hmm. This is something that also, again, more of the stuff comes up when we when we get to the audio drama uh, mm-hmm. Evangelion. Mm-hmm. But just it really makes you think about animation and appreciate just like how fucking hard it is to do any of it, and what a wonderful magic trick it I, is. I'll just I'll just go ahead and just uh, to anyone listening who, uh, if you have any experience with animation or an interest in it, now's a great time to. Invest a lot of your energy into understanding animation <laughs> because I, I do think that um, no matter what 
No matter how we move forward, uh, animation is something that doesn't have to be done on a set with uh, 200 people. So I just, I, if I you, definitely if you wonder... majored in animation and thought maybe you didn't want to do that and you were trying to do other things, uh, maybe think about. <laughs> I would love to see animation because right now it's all farmed out mm-hmm. largely to Korea, Korean so, animation yeah. houses. So I'm just wondering how much on U.S. soil animation is even happening anymore. We've asked this question before. And I'd love before. to see. A, you know, a return like I to don't that. know if any of the Netflix shows get animated over here or not. Like does does BoJack or Big Mouth or I don't like? Know. I mean, I know like Adventure Time and stuff was you know goes off to Korea. Yeah. But not that there's anything wrong with you know no. Korean animation, but it's just like you know in terms of if you want to work in animation here, well, I would love to see an, some, an animation industry that actually. I mean, because there's obviously Disney here. and stuff, and, 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 yeah, and but I, they don't do traditional animation. Yeah, exactly, anymore. and that's like where it's like it's like like. You want there to be like an indigenous, you know, sort of like a uh, uh, product to, to to the culture or something like that. I mean, we'll never be better than ja- than Japan, but I would like to see more stuff that has a distinctly unique feel and mm-hmm. it doesn't always just feel like. Well, it's, and there, and there is know. something very different about Western animation versus Japanese animation for sure. Uh, Does Rick and Morty not animate here? I feel like they probably do. It could be. Maybe or maybe the keyframes at least. I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I like I know what I'm talking about. But anyway, that's a really good show that uh, an anime show that I can recommend that's easily watchable on HBO Max that just really dives into what we were just talking about, which is you mm-hmm. know the, the attention to detail of that kind of stuff. And it's a fun, cute show. They just did a live action movie of it. Which oh, that's interesting. I, I will be curious to see. So this is a new. This is like a new contemporary. Pretty, show. Yeah, 2020. Nice, nice, uh, nice. Yeah, it's a brand new show. Anyway. Uh, anything left to say about live action nah. sequence or should we move on Let's to do the audio? The audio drama is just a blast. That was really fun. Yeah. So this, I guess this came out in 96. So this was before end of Evangelion. <laughs> so the, the show That's had ended. Wild. The show had ended the way the show ended. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this was in that, that gap. Yeah. Cause it's all about, it's all about them trying to figure out what to do next with it. Like as, yeah. though, as though they're going to make a second series or something. I, I guess we should preface. I believe this is a a pretty common thing. I know it's huge in like there's tons of like Doctor Who audio dramas. It's a big mm-hmm. thing for like past doctors to come back and do like yeah, we'll do like a basically a radio play. I think that that on anime soundtracks and with manga, and stuff, I think that audio dramas are kind of a big deal. They that, do them with Marvel now. I remember that Colin was doing those Wolverine ones. Oh yeah, I guess they're. And I don't know where those are on some app or something, but it's like I think it's but the something thing with anime. You got the voice actors exactly. So yeah. it's like, oh, the cast reunites. Yeah. And we're not going to animate it, but you get a little story that's just all done like a radio play. So this is like a parody of that. But it is the cast, and it was. It sounds like it was released on a CD or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a soundtrack CD, and like this was the bonus thing. Like it's like thirty minutes long, full episode length. Yeah, written, written and directed by Anno himself. And it's and it's the characters, the characters all sort of breaking the fourth wall and <laughs> talking both in in the voice and sort of style of them as characters. Because again, it yeah. is the voice actors, and so like. It, it's. I mean, it seems like if if you told me that Anno wrote this, because they they keep joking about like that that they need to finish this this thing. Basically, they've been renewed for like a second season yeah. and weren't ready for it, and they they have to get the scenarios into the studio like by that evening. So it's it's everybody yeah. in Nerve HQ trying to decide what the show is going to be and but how both, are we going to do both more. Both being the characters and seemingly basically like the 
the like the producers of the show. Like they, <laughs> yes. as though as though the group of characters who are voice actors, because they do make reference to recording the voices, but they don't identify themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they, playing themselves. Like yeah. it's not like Megumi Hayashibara. It's it's Ray. But they're talking about like the deadline and like the, uh, fan expectations and like whether or not they've yeah. been like fucking up the whole time and did, would they make mistakes in the show and and it's it's if you told me that Anno did this in like literally the day before it was done and that's why it is that <laughs> sure. I would 100% believe you because it feels like somebody who's very comfortable with like like he it's a guy at this point who knows himself he knows what he's been doing and he's having the most fun like you and I talk about this all the time where yeah. it's like you you spend so much time making a movie that you're you're trying to do very seriously that you start to joke about your own tendencies because like when you have to you know say for instance have an actor you know do take after take of a scene and you mm-hmm. start to analyze your own the pattern recognition yeah. of your own work and your own authorial voice becomes very clear to you and, and when you're a confident person in in a certain kind of way although it's funny to say that Anna's a confident person i think he is i think he is he is and he's not but it's like yes. that's the dueling sides of him and that's why well he he's like makes... buffy he's like a has got a superiority complex and an inferiority yeah. complex about that yeah and it's and that's and that's how you get rich characters out of this thing but it, what it also means is that when you know imagining that he really was under the gun on this thing that when he really needs to he could just pull out a bunch of self-referential jokes that that are going to make him laugh that are going to make the audience laugh that probably made the voice actors laugh their asses off like it sounds like they're having fun and that's yeah. the most enjoyable part of it is just hearing like a sort of like celebration of of a thing accomplished like they finished the show and this is the same group of people now kind of letting their hair down and just sort of goofing around and making jokes about the characters and the types of stories they tell. Yeah, and it's it's very fun. and what a refreshing thing, you know, especially for Evangelion. Like it, get, it gives you a little bit of the same kind of charge that the fantasy sequence from the last two episodes does, of like, oh, it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, my characters get to have fun and not be catatonic in a bathtub or well, and it, and it also reminds you, it reminds you why why Evangelion has been an enduring thing. I think for so long mm. and in and, and way back, I think it's some of the earliest episodes when we first were talking about um, like the character yeah. archetypes and stuff. And I compared Ray to like Spock. And when you think about like the, the appeal of, of the, the enduring appeal of something like Star Trek is just built on this particular cast of characters, which in a, in a live action thing like that is, is the actors, you know, the image of the actor and the character they're portraying. And in this, it's just the voices and the you know illustrations or whatever of the characters, but you know it was done. I mean, somebody's put these images on there, but it was done as just audio. So it's like when you go like, well, even getting this thing that everybody talks about being this like traumatizing, mm-hmm. you know, emotional experience. It's like, well, but I think the endurance of it is that people like the characters, they like the world, and that when you see that like this early on in the cultural prominence of evangelion they were right. already making meta jokes using the characters as like well, I, yeah I mean, objects that's, that's of a good fun point. Humor, i don't i don't think that you know? the yeah it's it, it endures because it does both in that if the show is entirely light and fun all the time it's more forgettable and when you're done with it you're not thinking about it anymore mm-hmm. and if it's too if it's nothing but like stone-faced seriousness and austere you know like kind of doom and gloom then it's like well i don't want to think about that all the time but this strikes the right balance of you remember the good times like Mm -hmm. life and any relationship you remember the good times but there are those bad times that kind of really make it real and make it harder to walk away from and forget about it because it's not just fluff there's real weight to it but Mm -hmm. it and then the other thing talking about self-awareness the fact that i don't know is 
and apparently the cast and probably everybody involved is so self self aware enough to make these jokes to identify these things just shows a level of um just like sort of nuance and understanding of the property that other things don't necessarily have that probably was key to it all throughout it just shows yeah. like yeah the fact that we can make jokes about these things yeah. means we are aware of it we are aware of what we're doing there's a lot of thought that went into it which is not always the case with, mm. with the shows right and movies especially stuff in you know, this more pop pop culture you know a giant robot show doesn't need th- this level of awareness and uh, introspection allows you to make jokes like this but it also is what makes it makes it good it's that ability to do that you know what it weirdly reminds me of? And I don't mean to undercut anything you just said, um, <laughs> because I think everything you said is really valid and, and this isn't going to quite do the same thing, but in a weird mm-hmm. way, that's the po- thing that just popped in my head. Is it? Is it reminds me of um, when SNL um, had the Titanic sketch. Okay. Do you remember the Titanic sketch? I don't, Where it, I don't it know. Was, it was Bill Paxton was hosting, I think. Okay. And so Bill Paxton played himself, like his character from the thing, and it was the it was them redoing the bookends of the thing, right? And okay, and yeah, then it and it ends with the thing with them all beating up the old lady yeah. because they were so angry that they made <laughs> she, that she made them like, sit there for three and a half hours telling a story about a priceless jewel that she ultimately throws in the ocean instead yeah. of and it's like wait so I understand where did the heart of the ocean go? And she's like, well, I I dropped it and they're like what the fuck lady you know and it like turns into this joke and it and it and it ends with them all like basically beating the old woman to death and then it cuts out and it's james cameron sitting in an edit suite and he's and he talks directly to the camera as like he's like you know like hi i'm james cameron you know and he's like this is uh this was the original ending to titanic and you know test audiences like you know destroyed the theater and burned it down when we played it so you know like we, we had to reshoot the whole thing but i you know showing you guys this because I think you'll think it's funny. And then at the end of it, he lights a cigar with a flaming $100 bill sure. and says, uh, I'm James Cameron, and, you know, remember, you're king of the world or something. And it was like, <laughs> I saw that when I, you know, it was, it was like the, you know, like month after Titanic came out yeah. or two months after Titanic came out or something like that, I think. And I remember at the time being, like, totally amazed that you could have you know, the best picture winning, like every girl you knew went to see the movie 15 times. Mm-hmm. It's the most emotional I thing. It's times. a true story. I saw it two, three times in the theater. I love Titanic and I think it holds up. I haven't seen it in forever and I believe you, but it's, you know, of, of the James Cameron movies. It's not my favorite James yeah. Cameron movie, but I think it's. Cool. But I was at the time, I didn't have a lot of context for James Cameron because I was a little bit younger than you. And mm. I remember just seeing that on SNL and thinking like that was unbelievable that that him and Bill Paxton, which I didn't even know at the time that they were like real actual friends, so it mm-hmm. makes it, but you know Paxton probably got him to do it. But it's like, yeah, that they could have fun with this thing that was like at the time the biggest, most successful, <laughs> most serious, you know, historical epic or whatever since I don't know Gandhi or something, and and that they could make just crass jokes about it, and mm-hmm. then it kind of like for, I'm just going on with a tangent here, but just for some it's like that level of confidence because you can certainly say if anyone's a confident filmmaker, it's James Cameron. And yeah. to think that like Anno and James Cameron both have the ability to fairly recently on the heels of finishing their masterpiece immediately come in and undercut it with jokes and be mm-hmm. that comfortable with the thing to go like, look, you love this, so you you're gonna love seeing these jokes and it's not gonna take yeah, away there from there the is thing, a security you about know? the about the work of uh, if if we're allowed to make fun of it if you're allowed mm-hmm. to make fun of it yourself then you have security in that well it's good yeah and i'm not going to take anything away of it by, by joking but just even yeah going back to some of this st- there's some lovely moments i think ray in particular gets to be the star of the show 
Megumi, because I assume that she does the voice of Pen Pen, too, because it's a really great Pen Pen <laughs> moment. But like one of the best weirdest jokes. It even goes, to, but just the, that they that they make fun of the popularity, the character popularity polls. Like they point yeah, out, yeah, the Gossip guy's able to point out that Ray wins the character popularity polls, but she's like barely in it and mostly just stands on the side of the frame, <laughs> and doesn't have any lines, and she just wins all the time. Because it's in a section where they start wondering if they picked the wrong lead. Yeah. And they start, and like Shinji's there just being like sad sack Shinji. Well, Shinji doesn't show up for like 10 minutes. Do There's like, and they, they actually have the big setup where they're like, all right, we gotta, well, if we're gonna bring the show back, you know who we have to bring back. We gotta get that character in here. And then you hear footsteps and it's Kaoru who comes in. It's like, oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> the Kaoru's great. And we get to the problematic, the one problematic thing that I'll warn everybody about is, is Asuka does multiple times refer to him as homo boy. Well, she calls she calls Kaoru that, but then she refers to Toji just as she calls Toji a homosexual. No, that was uh, that was Kaoru. Oh, it was Kaoru. Okay, yeah, never mind. Was, I thought it was uh, that was a bit even what was it? It was me. a really good turn of phrase, though, is that he was like arrogant and homosexual or something. There was like two like a pair of words that was like really funny together. I mean, I but she called him, I think, homo otoko, which is just like you know homo man. I mean, the, yeah, her calling him, the, she which used... is which is upsetting in terms of like because like homo feels slurry. I don't even know if it is like a slur in the same way as other words, but uh, you know, obviously she's using it in like a, in a pejorative sense. But it is interesting that this is written by Ano calling out the homosexuality directly yeah. which is something that is sort of like hinted at in the show itself yeah, we had all those discussions about you know like like how, how aware how are they of this how yeah. intentional and so like well here's the creator of the show flat out having one character recognize you know yeah he's homosexual in the other and he doesn't deny it it doesn't become a big thing and I'm not like making excuses for them, you know, for her to be like saying that in the way that she does. But it's also a translation thing. I don't even know because, like yeah. I said, she says there's it's it's a, the 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 abbreviated like she calls him homo, but then there's she refers she just refers to him as homosexual mm -hmm. in a, in a not particularly insulting way, just <laughs> no, as though just, listing it's off just his characteristic. <laughs> it's just his trait. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like so so I don't even know because I could certainly couldn't guess the the, the, the Japanese like slang like. Is it even two different words? Is it the translator thought it was? I mean, she says, knows? you know, it is. She says homo. Like, it's it's a it's an English word. Or a, so she does. Okay. Yeah. But what is that? What are the context of that? In, in yeah, Japan? and at the time, uh, would it have been? Yeah. And it's know. fine. And it's Asuka. And, you know, it's, you know, from 1997. Like, I'm not, I'm not like holding it up to the yeah, standard they, of today. They, and they, like, the, the humor of it is more just in hearing this cartoon character. Cancel the Evangelion <laughs> audio drama after the end from the... 1996 audio CD yeah, in Japan. We'll, we'll make sure that this. Why never... is no one talking about this? Yeah. No, uh, but it's it's just funny to hear. I'm just something that's that that's that uh, discordant <laughs> with the thing. Yeah. Not that they couldn't say that in the show because they do. You know, she does get abusive with people all the time, but it's it's jarring and a sort of like. I think that was the intention, probably. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. It is weird. Um. But yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> so there's that. And then yeah, the pen pen thing. And later on, they talk about how they want. Misato makes a suggestion that there needs to be animal characters, and mm -hmm. like we need to have more of the animal mascot. And they're like, "Oh, let's try giving pen pen some lines." Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Pen pen can learn Japanese." Yeah, look. And then you know, a few sees like, "Yes, it's a good idea. We should try that or something." And it's about damn time. <laughs> I've been here this whole while. 
You guys have been talking about me like I'm not even here. It's, yeah, it's like it's it's like it's funny because you can feel the joke building up. Like you're like this is they're gonna have him well, been talking. Like, Asuka, stop her! Yeah. <laughs> stop yeah. him! Because it just keeps going and it's like you can hear them. You can hear them grab the beak. Yeah, and the muffle, great. Like, <laughs> There's a couple good sound effect jokes in it where like like people get slapped and stuff like that. Like it's it's pretty effective to see how well the timing of the humor still works even yeah. though it's not animated it's pretty amazing i th- i thought and that's you know that's him directing and it's also the cast you know like and a star trek thing they just, just know it i mean you know? there's all that i can't remember the name of it but like there's there's a style of japanese stand-up comedy that that is like really rhythmic that's sort of like a, just a cultural oh, the, art form with the hannah and alice stuff like the the where they're telling the jokes like it's like the story jokes where it's like, yeah you know it's yeah like, and there's performers that, i like, like to be prepared i always walk around with a hammer so one day i was walking the thing there's like a bit is the thing where she's learning the joke and hannah and alice oh, and it's like okay. these long to rhythmically told like so i went to saw my yeah. neighbor and he asked me for a hammer and i said where what it's almost like it's the like, uh, yeah. like the catholic priest like like there's a weird sort of way of intonation of blah 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 yes, blah, blah, yes, blah, blah, yes, blah yes yes it's like intentionally like, supposed to have like and i don't understand that but it's cool yeah yeah, but it's, it's a cultural thing, and so I'm mm-hmm. sure just in terms of like the the timing of Japanese comedy being a yeah. certain thing. I think we've talked on the show before about, well, maybe not, but getting used to that cadence of comedy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now really loving it. Like mm-hmm. the, the Alex Louis Armstrong character in Full Metal Alchemist of just like ripping off a shirt and flexing with a very staccato style of like movement and sound. Uh, and things where characters speak in unison and stuff like that, like like yes. the kind of like almost it feels almost like a martial arts like choreography. Of, yeah, where where the best martial arts fights are going to have like a like you know you kind of want there's like a rhythm to it and like it speeds up and then it slows down and when it slows down there's all this space. Mm-hmm. And then there's like multiple things happen at once, and then there's like yeah, it's like well, and, they, and this this real is the show that's it. built around it's built around characters that like we talked a lot in the in in the early episodes about about the posture of the characters and how you yeah. can you can get the, the frame that just you know like sums everybody up in the way they hold their bodies and and this this audio thing is a real testament to how well it's like we think about dialogue and stuff and you know us as writers like we're always thinking about you know the rhythms that which people talk but it mm-hmm. it's like it's a it's a written thing and so like the vocabulary like the choice of words like who would say that or would they say this or would they say that does a character curse did they not curse but this is like even beyond that where it's like just a pure understanding of just the rhythms of their speech and the the kind of like uh intensity of it or something and so you like what you're talking about where it's like asuka is of course asuka and she's this like overwhelming tornado yeah, that's and then like and then like be a pause and then Gindo, you know, does a Gindo line. And it's like the actual energy of their speech is so distinct to themselves. It's amazing. Each is a separate like comedy weapon that's deployed correctly because what's funny about Oscar and it's, it's funny because they're not really comedy characters, but what what makes them work as characters transports over. We're like, well, the kind of Oscar jokes are going to be like, she's going to be like rambling and loud and enthusiastic and then you give Ray these, well, the deadpan, like, mm-hmm. little jokes. And then, like, you give uh, Toji, like, these, like, kind of throwaway, like, uncomfortable lines of, like... And then, you know, <laughs> just Gendo being, you know, like, yeah. oh, yes, uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, it, like, I think we laughed every time yeah, every Gendo time. was just like, yes, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> because it's so... Because because he's built... it's Because, again, they build up such a specific, like, 
you know, expectation for what Gendo sounds like. And, and they do it. We've pointed out in the show only a few times do they, do they make a joke out of anything Gendo does. But it's because they establish it so firmly so that when they diverge and mm-hmm. he does say something off or funny, it's it rings so loud. And it's it's a real testament to like, you know, there's there's a certain kind of, you know, bad movie where the characters <laughs> all, you know, kind of just talk in a certain way. And sometimes that's stylistic and neat. But this is just like, man, if every movie had this distinctive voices or every TV show had this. Distinctive well, that's voices, what's fun like, is, I mean, like this is they've given them a, a, a problem to solve. So they're able to kind of fall back on everybody behaves like, you know, Ritsko is very like, all right, we can solve this if we work together. Mm-hmm. Thinking about things, Asuka's trying to kind of like be the star of the show. Ray is agreeing to everything, you know, uh, Fudski and Gendo are in charge, you know. So, like, everybody is responding to this problem of we need to come up with what the rest of the show is going to be <laughs> as if they were solving an angel yeah, attack yeah. thing. Right down to where they have the, like, beep, like alarm coming in. And like, oh, ratings are lower off the charts than we've ever seen. You've had the, uh, you know, oh, the faxes are dead, too. No one's watching. Like, Aoba and uh, Maya and yeah, what do the fans Makoto, say? Like they're all d- reacting like as if oh, it's so you know, the, good. the pattern blue. Well, the sync ratios are completely off. <laughs> and they and they keep, and they re, they basically like re reboot the show a couple times. Yeah, as they, different <laughs> kinds of things. They reboot it as a Sentai show, which is great. They try to find the different. Uh, you, what real quick before we move away from the the first thing they try to do is like consider like changing the lead. And they try giving Ray more lines, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing that Ray gets to do is they like, oh, okay, she she gets another chance to just go off this time, not as Pen Pen, but as Ray, ranting about Asuka, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like it's a rapid fire thing because you know the Ray voice actress usually has like one yeah one sentence to say, so she gets like two paragraphs of just like mm-hmm. rapid fire dialogue. That's really funny, and it's fun to hear her. No, it's like it's like that. what's the what's the the character on Good Place, the like computer AI. Oh, Janet. Yeah, it's like it's like when you eventually got to see all the different Janet things <laughs> and stuff. It was like because you so you spend like two seasons of that show with just the Janet like the certain way, and then when you get the difference, it's like this is like you're like oh good for her, and yeah. this is like that with Ray. I'm like oh thank God, Ray gets to do different stuff. And then she slap Ray slaps uh, Oscar a bunch of times mm-hmm. <laughs> and keeps slapping her. <laughs> you um, see, this isn't good. <laughs> So they so they tried that and then they try like okay we would change it to a, to a Sentai show which is like a Power Power Rangers is a part of a long running series called Super Sentai mm-hmm. which is the live action show of uh, colorful heroes usually a team of five and they have like changing robots and yeah so they they suggest making it into that sort of show which mm-hmm. with the five pilots being the different like Power Rangers which when they have a bunch of in jokes about that too where they say like the leader's the, the leader is always red yeah and then there's a, there's like a parenthetical like she's right or something yeah. like <laughs> it's, it's it's a good joke it's true uh yeah for a 40 year history of uh, the proud heritage and people point out well only like children in otaku watch that now <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays only children in otaku watch them what are you so stupid? They, that's what I'm going after. <laughs> they try that, and they all sort of introduce it, and that's when she she introduces uh, Kaoru uh, as the black. They uh, try to sex it pilot. up. They like they put new. Oh, they do suits. this the sex appeal. I forgot about the sex appeal. And there's a bunch of yeah, like like uh, they redesign. It's, jo- the it's all fan service jokes. Yes, where it's like it's like well maybe one way to do it is to like make them give them sexier plug suits, and it's like 
you know, because it's just audio, they don't, you don't see it, but it's all the characters reacting to how skimpy it is and Asuka being embarrassed. They make, they're making jokes about like, Asuka's Shinji, body. Why, why do you have a nosebleed? <laughs> and then they do something else later. Like, you know, Commander Akari, are you okay? Your nose is bleeding. Yes, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. They like, yeah. Incorporating the nose bleeding jokes, incorporating stuff where like, you know, Shinji sees one of them, you know, I like their clothes come down. It's just like, Th- just, this is, that's one of the examples of, you know, uh, sort of forecasting the future here because there is there's that plug suit, and we will get to it when we get to the second rebuild movie. But the Osaka like test plug suit that's like oh. this see through like under boob suit with like orange like latex <laughs> later yeah, on. Yeah, I totally it forgot about that. Sounds like what they're describing in the audio drama of like, ah, but you can see all this and like, oh, I can see the yeah. That's the good. when we this. get into those, we're gonna have to go back and look at all this again. So there is of, there yeah. is a sexier fan service plug suit that shows up in the second mm-hmm. movie that that sounds a lot like what they're talking about here but yeah but it's like yeah so so one by one it's like he he makes fun of he makes fun of the fan servicey stuff mm-hmm. he makes fun of shinji being like a, a an unlikely or unlikable lead <laughs> at times and not dynamic enough makes fun of the popularity of certain characters mm-hmm. he makes he makes fun of you know like like the, the the tropiness of like these certain kind of genre things and how they're just automatic expectations. My favorite thing is the end when they realize that the big problem with the show was the angels, <laughs> and they have Fiutsuki actually say, "Yeah, nobody really got them, did they?" He's <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, the the villains' uh, goals aren't very clear, and so they they have this character called the Black God who shows up and is like, "I'm the Black God from the black hole or from the white hole, and I have my black hole angels that are here." And I think it's Anno that's playing it the is, Black God. It is. I think it is. It is. I mean, there's the images at least him. Yeah. It almost looks like a Metal Gear like uh, comms <laughs> yeah, like like yes. logo. Is it's great. It's really funny. But I just thought, yeah, like just Anno and to hear Fuyutsuki flat out say like, yeah, the, nobody really understood them, did they? <laughs> is is very good. Uh, it's just yeah, angels. just making making fun of of each element of the thing in in you know in in a loving way because again it's like this guy is just you know he hasn't made the movies yet but it's like yeah he accomplished this huge thing it's super popular and for all of the the stories of his like you know mental health struggles and things all of which I think are real I'm not saying they don't but it's like it's yeah. nice to see him this is him just totally flexing totally leaning back you know totally just being like yeah like I know what I'm doing here mm-hmm. this is fun mm-hmm. you like this this is fun it's like yep. Yeah. And then it all culminates. I mean, we don't need to like belabor it, and like you can watch it for yourself and see. But um, that it culminates in the the idea, and the in the very meta way of the way to do it is Asuka decides to do an just do an audio drama instead of doing a second season of the anime, mm-hmm. just do an audio only anime, and you get this black screen. I mean, in the in the animatic thing, it's a black screen, obviously on the yeah. CD, which is continue to be sound effects, but you hear. The voice cast do the sound effects of what it sounds to me like the first battle from the show. Yeah, it's like them doing an angel battle, in, in, including the like the dun 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 dun, dun, dun. <laughs> including yeah. the music. Yeah, so they have the 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 doing the music at the end, and then you can hear somebody doing the the roar. Yeah, it's pretty pleasing. Yeah, and then the the, the best part is when they, when the sound all cuts out and it's just you're like eight people going da 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 da. Uh, <laughs> it honestly like I, I really like that that whole like them doing that i i don't know that i it seems like it's probably like overdubbed like um you know yeah to layered get, audio yeah but it, it like either way i mean it like it's it sounds almost like like some like um 
you know, like experimental, yes. like avant-garde, like compositional yeah. stuff. Because like, like, there's a lot of I have a lot of like, you know, weird records from Japan. That's just you know, like you know, the guys that you know make weird vocal sounds and run them through like effects processors and create different textures out of them and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like this is almost like something. It, it it has like an artistic quality in and of itself of just getting all these people to coordinate because it sounds messy at first, and then you realize like no, they're actually really. Somebody's doing the machine yeah, gun. Yeah, it's like Somebody's it's, it's intentional. The, it's cool. It's really, the, really cool. The alarms. Yeah. The siren. Yeah, it's very pleasing to hear. Yeah. They do. They also try to tra- to like transform into different things. And call, <laughs> just different mecha show tropes of like, well, the halfway through the show, you have to upgrade the mecha so mm-hmm. you can sell more toys and then yeah, you, you know, they, power they, up the robot. They, yeah, they make fun of the fact that the robots don't even fly. And, the, <laughs> right. and, and they, 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 don't, they don't have enough weapons to sell a separate weapon pack with <laughs> right. the toys. And therefore, they're losing money. So they need to make power ups that then they can be sold separately so that they, you know, yeah. So they turn into trains and airplanes and... Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's a good great. time. Uh, Which okay, so the, so the transition between those two things to say that like that we said that that was kind of like a handoff, and we've been going for a while, so we can break this up into two if we need to. I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, um, no, nobody really seems to care. We can no, talk about the alternate ending proposal the, next time is, <laughs> if we want. Well, it's up to you. I was gonna say that like this. This is a. It's nice to sort of see this as like this is Anno kind of joking, but I'm sure to some degree asking himself these questions, and of like what would he do now, and then or what should I have done, or what am I glad I did? Yeah, do? and and then and then you know like we said in the coming episodes, we're gonna talk about what he actually did, mm-hmm. and then this other thing that you know we're 90 minutes now, but let's say we just keep going, and then we'll just break it up into two if we need to, but but like. So this was you found this. This was this like midway through making the show. Oh yeah, we're moving on to this. So, okay. so, so just just to, just to frame it all together in a thing of like, well, this, you know, we talked about unused footage that w- didn't go in the movie. We just covered a whole thing. It's a series of jokes about you know maybe second guessing what he did do, and then this is a thing that was presented to Anno midway through the thing as something that could be done. Yeah, I mean, we'll sort of have to find more information or you know you can look around yourself to find more but at at a certain point you know at, at in the process of the thing Anna would talk to the team more about you know what where to take the show and what to do and there is the mecha designer the guy who designed Ava Unit 1 and a lot of the hardware and the mecha stuff is this guy named Ukuto Yamashita who released a book that was called Sore o Nasumono, Neon Genesis Evangelion Concept Design Works. So it's just a kind of a catch-all for, for his artwork and design stuff. Some of it used, some of it not. And then another guy, uh, Seiji Kiyo, who did a lot of the interiors of the nerve base kind of designs, like the, you know, mm. the escalators and That's the cool. office complexes and stuff. So it's their artwork. But he also has in there a pitch for the end of the show and what the movie could be and i don't know if this was like <laughs> facilitated by ano if ano asked for this specifically that he put this together it's it's funny because in our limited experience we're not going to name any names but in our limited experience working in in writers rooms luke <laughs> this reminds me very much of the kind of ideas that the visual components of those oh rooms. sure <laughs> this is like, yeah so it's like it's like i recognize that like well, yeah whether or not this was brought up i can see how this would be presented in and and it's it's wonderful that Anna was you know hopefully being 
really supportive of his team and you know asking for their you know suggestions and stuff. I understand why this did not happen, but I don't really understand what if Ivano knew. We've talked about this before, whether or not he was fully. Yeah, did he com- did he commission it or or what? But it was an idea that that he started to have that Yamashita started to have like halfway through the show of here's here's mm-hmm. where where it could maybe ultimately head and here's what the movie could be. And so he he wrote this thing and it's in this book. Now the problem is not all of it's been translated. I heard about I found this years ago. Yeah, you've mentioned it on the show. This years ago. You just the most I ever remember is you said it has something to do with Oscar being a werewolf. Is all <laughs> yeah, that well, is the main thing, which is way more complicated the than that apparently. Yeah. So this book came out in 1998 uh and Ava Geeks um has a translation of some of it. Let me um see if I yeah, I mean, the, the translation. The problem is not all of it's been translated, so and it's um, it's sort of written in kind of sort of like a treatment form, yeah, like like something like the way that we uh, when we write write treatments, it's like you're kind of describing from the outside, but also from the inside. Like it's sort of like it's describing what happens, but then you'll you sort of like zoom in and have dialogue sometimes and stuff, right? And it, it's, and then there's like because it's from the designer, there's like lots of descriptions of things. Mm-hmm. So you can find this on the wiki.avageeks.org, or you just go to avageeks.org mm-hmm. and, and sort of look around. You can find the Sore o Nasumono translation. Um, and so these were translations by somebody named Rockman Balls. Yeah. Rockman, if you don't know, is Mega Man. That's Mega Man's Japanese name. <laughs> I didn't realize Mega that. Mega Man's Balls. Mm. Um, and then corrections by somebody named Zard. So, you know, take them with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it seems, I'm sure this is fairly legit as in terms I would of think a, so. a translation. Um, and I don't really know what to say about it, but it's, so it's in this book and they have the Japanese on that website and they have a good chunk of it translated into English. But this is just his sort of ideas for what maybe would happen next and the basic gist of it is after episode 24 uh-huh. where you know with the death of Kaoru and you know the final angel being killed what happens <laughs> in the story and i think the idea is Please. well now that everybody has these weapons of the evangelions so you have yeah, they, they defeat the angels yeah the angels are, are done so there's just like now humanity just has these big things and they come from the different countries as, yes. as is laid out in the show and everything. Yeah. So we start to have inter-Ava wars. And the big thing is that the Euro-Germany branch tries to pull some shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And they like try to get back Unit 2 and like take Unit 2 back. And there's this big fight where they have to go there into this German nerve and wage war against them Mm -hmm. right and so that's like the first part and then asuka's considered a a traitor even though she didn't know anything about them trying to do this Mm -hmm. uh and like able unit one goes in there and like fires some like anti-at field technology and like obliterates all of german nerve (laughs) which all this stuff makes me think of i don't want to spoil anything but it makes me think of the clip that we saw from Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, which has yes. France Euro Euro Nerve branch yes. and a big battle at the Euro Nerve thing. So it it almost feels like there's a little bit of 
of a callback to this. And that's what I think. I think that Ava I, versus Ava. I, I think as we move European forward branch. with the rebuild movies, I think we're going to be referencing back to to the things that we're talking about on this episode. Probably, it or just it's going to be fun to keep that in mind because I was not really. I was aware lightly of all of these pieces of media we've been discussing, mm-hmm. the sort of ancillary media that's out there. And, and I think it'll be interesting to, to watch the rebuild movies and look for references to that. Yeah. Because again, it's like, I mean, I defy anybody to finish watching, you know, the show or the show and the movies as was, you know, the original set of them and then sit there and go now, okay, somebody drops a dump truck full of money at your door and says, now make more <laughs> Evangelion. What the fuck do you do? Sure. And this is, obviously I can imagine he was probably pulling out anything that had ever come up in his mind and he's uh-huh. just going like, well, what is in, in, you know, it's not surprising to me and you know, we do it all that we've recycled unused old ideas from things into totally. new things. I mean, that's part of the creative process and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's very interesting to see this stuff and go, yeah, maybe there is kind of a, you know, I mean, this stuff all sounds cool, not, right? Like you know? Ava versus Ava in the wake of, we have these weapons these different countries have them. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to start fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Like mankind has beaten their common enemy. Now they just make enemies of one another. That's, you know, that, okay. That's interesting. That kind of tracks with, you know, even end of Evangelion. Oh, the last mm-hmm. minute and last enemy was man. You know, <laughs> what starts to get weird. Yes. Is that it seems like there's a suggestion in here and he's like breezes over this stuff. But it seems that... Which is classic treatment stuff. I love that shit. I love how quickly in a treatment you just go like, and then, you know. From, and then from the dawn of man, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've always been building towards building these Evangelions. And like, this is the end result. And it's almost as if they're possessed. They just start building more and more. And they build this like ultimate mm-hmm. Evangelion called Fortune. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like all humanity is kind of like slowly being possessed or brainwashed with the idea to build these things. Mm-hmm. And then something happens and it starts to degrade and huge swaths of people the world over start to like devolve in like mental capacity to this like animalistic state and are described as looking and behaving like werewolves. Yeah, it's really strange. And that's that's where like a translation thing that I would be curious about is the, that like, is it one of those things where like. I bet it's a westernization. I bet it's seen you know, in the same way that, you know, homosexual is, you know, like yeah. she just said the English word. I bet I bet it's werewolves. <laughs> like I wonder, I don't know, but it's like sometimes there's like, you know, like tanuki, sometimes it's just turned into yeah. like raccoon, you know, yeah. even though it's something of a discreetly Is there a more nuanced? Yeah, is is there some sort of, of like werewolf? reference to the is, is werewolf? Well, there it is accompanied by an illustration of Shinji sitting in the cockpit of Unit 1 sharpening a wooden stake. Like a, like a hammer vampire movie, and then Asuka with fangs <laughs> and like kind of a uh, a feral appearance. Uh, pull it up. It's it's somewhere in there, in the article on Ava Geeks. Uh, if you could find it. But yeah, there were there were some accompanying illustrations. Uh, maybe I found that on a different on a different website because I also looked up. Um, Somebody who had the book. Uh, Here, yeah, no, I think find it. I have a couple. I have I have eBay <laughs> alerts on a couple things to where like that some of these books popped up. I need to actually. Yeah. I need I need to so, send you the links and see if there's anything so, worth getting. But it's but. like it quickly shifts from being about. I don't know if if the you know the war for the Avas was supposed to be the end of the show and then the movie was this other thing, but it kind of jumps ahead and seems to pick up with this post-apocalyptic world where nerve. It sounds like Nerve HQ. He describes the pyramid 
Yeah, because they're still human. They're it's, still human because of something with the, the sync ratio kind of stuff. Yeah. Like because of the technology used for the Ava pilots, they're able to sort of create this bubble and protect everybody there. But they're running out of food. Aoba and, and Makoto are... are <laughs> I love that they, given, they stick around in every iteration long, of this like, thing. a long, like, dialogue chunk of, like, talking about these werewolf people. Mm-hmm. But it's like a zombie movie where they're, like, trapped in here with a limited supply of food and resources. And the city's, and they, like, overrun by the werewolf man. All the cities are, like, in rubble, and there's werewolf people out there trying to get in, and they're just like, well, we're the last line of defense of humanity against... This weird psychological virus (laughs) that's turned everybody into these werewolf people. And Ava Unit 1 is in this hole that they have drilled into the into the ground. And they've been given they've given it some device that looks like quote wings or a or feathers or a tail. Yeah. It's like feathers or a tail that allow Ava Unit 1 to operate without a pilot. So Ava Unit One is since he also like, genders Ava Unit One, doesn't he? he as her, yeah, yeah, as her, which, which is nice. Which sense. is which is in yeah. the thing, but it's just they they do it so much less in the show than yeah. yeah. And M- Makoto and and Aoba talk a lot about her and like, oh, she looks very mm-hmm. philosophical just sitting there. What is she thinking about? Oh, she's probably thinking about more than them, those werewolf people out there. <laughs> it's so it's, it seems like that Gladiator Two script that Nick Cave wrote for yeah. Russell Crowe. It kind of feels has like that kind Where of he a, like fights his way through hell. Maximus. Yeah, it's like he fights his way through hell and ultimately kills God. I think at the end or something. Man, fucking make that movie. I know. Now's the time. I think the script's out there. I'd like to. I, I should read that. But the yeah, key- like that that level of insanity though of just like. Yeah, nobody watching even Gellion was like, you know, I think it should take place after that where like there's no more the you know, space monster. I will say thing. I love I love the idea of this sort of programmed need to build these things. And That's we don't cool. know yeah. where it came from, but like almost like all of humanity was just a stopgap to build the Evangelions. And like no, I like that shit. But then somehow that became corrupted and now they've gone feral. Like their their job done. Mm-hmm. They're now reverting to their initial original state. Mm-hmm. I don't, this isn't all in the treatment. This is just me sort of extrapolating on what he's got there, which is like it does seem like people were brainwashed into building these things and then they devolve. So the you know, the leap that I'm making is that okay, well all of humanity was like, you know, apes yeah. given intelligence to do this task of building yeah. this thing, and now that they're finished, they can go back to being animalistic and what they mm-hmm. were before. Like the inspiration is gone and now they're left with this. But anyway. <laughs> what happens in yeah. the thing is Asuka's ostracized. Uh-huh. Um, I guess it makes no mention of Ray, really. No, not that I saw. You, it, yeah, I didn't read as far as it you It talks did. about Ritsuko working on, on the machine, and there's something with Ava Unit 1 that may have been like a, you know, like something it's doing itself mm-hmm. or was it somehow hacked or corrupted by other people or outside forces. But Asuka spends a lot of time in like protective equipment to protect her from the ways that are turning people werewolf. Uh-huh. And she sees Shinji. It's like an Alexander Payne sequence. Like she sort of follows Shinji out, like sne- sneaking behind him or something. Like yeah. it's this whole sequence where he goes out into the city and you sort of imagine it looking like Akira or something. But he something. leaps on like to a, a building, right? Yeah, there's a big description of it. Well, because it's something to do with like the idea that I, it's hard to understand, but it's something <laughs> this, to do with, this sounds like us describing a dream. It does, because it's like it's like they go into this whole thing you, about how like you have to find Shinji it and Ava Unit One can like merge and it's but it's not like the thing where he dissolves into it like in the show. It's like somehow 
they sort of like it's like a swap a body swap thing where like the like he gets the powers of Ava Unit One. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah that, there's a whole thing of yeah, it's really strange. Where he ultimately, yeah, they like think they flash back to like a battle where he went full synchronization with Ava Unit One, but it's like well then Ava. The Ava's going to be in his body and be able to control his body, and he'll be able to control the Ava. Yeah. So they basically swap minds. And it's like, well, but he won't be able to handle that because the Ava mind is different from a human mind, but he, he Which does is like, it anyway. That, I mean, I would, that would have been a really That's interesting all thing cool. to see in the show. I, I don't, like, again, I don't really know what the value of it is, but it, it is interesting. But then it ultimately leads to, like, a, a glowing Shinji, like, hopping through the city. Yeah, it sounds like, and the werewolf, and not he's not afraid of the werewolf people. They all gather around him and like seem to worship. It, they him. bow down for it. Yeah, that's where I left off. When I was falling asleep on the couch earlier, like reading it before you came over, is like I was like Asuka follows him into this thing, and like she sees all the werewolf. The, the werewolf people are not afraid of him. They bow down before him. Asuka's back watching, and it's like, what the fuck is going on here? I don't. Yeah, and I, that's that's pretty close to where the translation ends. And <laughs> okay, we don't well, get maybe I do we don't get too much more than that, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, well, I've so, watched them. Yeah, I guess just to make it clear, Sore, S-O-R-E-O, that's O, or Wo, W-O, mm-hmm. Nasumono, N-A-S-U-M-O-N-O. Uh, if you Googled that, if you look that up on avageeks.org, you can find this translation and read it all yourself if you so choose and see if you can make uh, any more sense out of it than we can. So it, that's where the translation ends thereabouts. But I know it goes on to where Asuka gets infected and becomes one of these werewolf people. And I think okay. that's around that point is when the treatment ends. So the treatment doesn't, cliffhanger there. doesn't get into what happens. Uh, but yeah, oh, they, they, <laughs> there is some stuff at the end where Gendo is talking to Maya about the moon. Uh-huh. And he's sort of like, is, is, is the moon itself the source of these oscillation waves? Or is the surface of the moon reflecting the waves back to us? And they they talk about how I think they have to go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're werewolf on the moon because I mean. of the waves oscillation from Earth. <laughs> the moon has basically become a giant reflector. We've already narrowed down the location of the source of the oscillation. And then Genda says, "Well, then we have to go there." <laughs> and that's where the translation right. stops. So I do like to imagine just angels like- are gone. There's no more angels. <laughs> It seems like with this werewolf shit, they don't even really use the Evangelions anymore. It's just like no, shiny Shinji and werewolf zombies. He's like he's like um, John Carter, just jumping around. Yeah, it seems like every <laughs> every recognizable aspect of the show has been stripped away and replaced by a completely different genre conceit. It, it, I mean, I'm just picturing like Anno sitting at his desk. You know, like the the artist guy came in and this like. You know, Mr. You know, Mr. Otto, do you you know do you have a do you have a few minutes? I have an idea I want to tell you about, and he's like, you know, of course. And it's just like cut to like an hour later, and he's just like finishing explaining all these things, and Anna's just sitting there listening, and then it ends, and he's just like, "Thank you." No, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, "Okay, I just wanted to see if you're yeah, no, absolutely, thank you." All right, back to work. Bye. And it's just like that's all it was. That it was just like this huge long pitch that Anna was oh just like, God. "Yeah, no." I mean, I and would certainly watch it. Absolutely. I, it sounds like what we got is a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it just I think it just if maybe if Ano didn't know what he was doing, then maybe the, the taking something like this and running it running with it would have been the thing, but I think, you know, clearly whether he had a plan fully or not and we've talked about that before, it comes together as a thing one way or the other. Uh, there is some sort of anti-A-field weapon. 
Yeah. Called the Spine of the Death God. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking hardcore. That's, that's pretty cool. That seems like a yeah, like a like a weapon in like a Witcher game or something. I don't know. Now this guy Yamashita goes on to create Evangelion Anima, which is a light novel series with some illustrations that I think has been brought over to the West. Some well listener mentioned it. I'm curious about it, and there's something called the Spine of the Angel mm. that ends up being incorporated in there. So there is stuff. He is pulling some of his old ideas, and he is still doing stuff in the Evangelion universe. So i would curious to check out Evangelion Anima and see what exactly that is. Um, I guess, it's, I mean, we're... Yeah, I mean, we can wrap it up here in a second, but I, I guess yeah. it's, it's interesting, just, it's just something we were eating lunch before this, and you were saying that, like that there was a statement from Anno about, you know, completing mm-hmm. the, the fourth movie of these new movies and sort of being done with the thing. But but also you said that he expressed, uh, like, oh, with, yeah. without a specific plan, but expressing that, that he would like the show, or like Evangelion as a thing to, to continue to exist. It's from uh, yeah, an read it, interview yeah. that he gave, sort of like the 10 year, yeah, 10 years of Studio Kara because they, you know, they made Studio Kara basically to do the rebuild movies. Yeah. And that's kind of what became of Gynox. There's, there's different, obviously, Gynox is a lot of different people and some of them mm-hmm. went on to do different things. There's also Studio Trigger, which oh, I think is I Gynox expats and they did Darling in the Bronx, which is like a not as good Evangelion. Mm, um, I didn't know about that one. That's the one I told you about, where the the boy and girl pilots have to sit in uh, oh. in the cockpit in a in a very sexually suggestive yeah. position. Yeah, uh, some people really like it. I don't know. I it, it didn't quite do it for me, but it had some interesting ideas for sure, and some cool some cool design. Um, but anyway, so Studio Kara is the one it was Anno's new studio that was made for this, and this was uh, it's ten years on and interviewing him about the studio. It's a really good interview. You can find it. If you look up uh, Studio Kara 10-year interview, mm-hmm. I don't know. But they do ask him regarding Ava, is there anything else you have to say uh, about what's to come? And he says they're making progress on the new movie. Sorry for <laughs> making fans wait so long. I think this interview is a couple years old at this God, point. I bet. But he does say, once it's over, I hope other creators will do Ava. Obviously, because I want them to be appealing works. It won't be without specific conditions. But I will not confine them to what my works have established. Just like Gundam, which keeps continuously supporting the animation world, Ava can become a new pillar. After all, it is the purpose that led me to resume to the new theatrical versions. I want to maintain this pillar, which carries the animation world. The more pillars there are, the better the, envir- the environment will be, won't it? That's how I see it. Rather than for my company, I do this for the well-being of the animation industry. Gundam can be enjoyed through various works, and it will be nice if Ava can develop in the same way. I think it's better if there is a diversity in the works. I think that's actually a really good statement, and I, I was like, I was thinking while you were saying that, and I, I, I don't know if there's a better example, but, but it, maybe because I've already referenced it on this, it, it makes me think of Star Trek, which is like, mm. it like, because I, I was going to ask you like, oh, do you do you can you think of other examples of things that had a a full life as a sort of auteur driven thing, and then kind of at a certain point transitioned into being more of just you know kind of franchise entertainment and it's like because it would be one thing i can understand some people like would would resist the idea of evangelion going on because it is an auteur driven show right in in which is not to discredit like shows that you know don't 
have a publicized kind of like creative figurehead necessarily, but but it, but it's like it's clearly different than a lot of these shows because sure. he is the guy and he it's Evangelion stayed involved. Anno is Evangelion thing. and yes. Evangelion is Anno in a very big way. And, and I like, think and I think Star Trek is a good comparison of like that was just Gene Roddenberry. Like mm. that was a show that you know like. His original own, series was yeah. In, in, the in, next generation gets better when it's not when now. it's not, and that's the thing where it's it's like he really really had a very tight grip on the the ideology and the philosophy of the show and what was possible in this universe and what wasn't, and he had this desire for it to have this very particular positive hopeful message, and that like when they got to bring it back, he was you know a huge part of the kind of initiation point, but very quickly in his older age and just you know. I think uh, people fans sort of superseding what he was able to imagine, but mm-hmm. rejecting things and having to be convinced. Like there's so much stuff about that where it's like, I, and now start, there's going to be very soon. There's going to be like six Star Trek shows, I think on TV at the same oh time, God. which is like, you know, after next generation, there was a period of time where there was three shows in the year at the same time. And it's like, I do think, you know, you get, you know, I mean, writers like Ron Moore and Brandon Braga and and uh, Brian Fuller, you know, like that that really got their start on there because they loved the thing and they were able to come in and go, man, I've always wanted to do this and really take these concepts that maybe didn't get a full fleshing out. I don't know that that's possible here. And we don't have to, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I just wanted to flag that as like an interesting going, like, I really have no idea what you would do. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I, I have no problem with it. Like I, I have no problem with like, it. I just don't know what it would I'm be. I'm not. I'm not. But somebody will figure it out if it's if well, it is like when, possible. When Terminator Three came out, I was like, well, I'm not interested in Terminator without James Cameron. Like yeah. there definitely are properties where it's like, well, without this person who is the voice of the thing and what makes it good, the reason this thing is good is because of this person. Mm-hmm. And while I do think that is true with Evangelion and Anno, um, obviously there's some really important players. You know, Kazuya Tsuramaki and, mm-hmm. and a lot of others along the way that really made it what it is. Well, in multiple generations of fans that have grown up yeah. watching this. Thing. And I don't think in a Roddenberry way, like Anno's, like, or no. like Chris Carter way, where oh, sort of like, ah, good, yeah. old man, put it down. Like, you don't know what you're, like, let somebody else do it and do it better. They, it doesn't feel to me like Anno's slowing down in any way or like, no. or, you know, no, well, I, George I, I, Lucas kind of a thing of like, ah, let's, let's let somebody else try and see what they can do. Um, it doesn't feel that way at all. No, at he's the same done the time. impossible. That the fucking yeah. You know, I mean, like like the Hobbit movies are are right. A, a great example of like a you know brilliant creator and all the best intentions that that ended up kind of not resulting in anything that even got close to the same thing. And Anno effectively yeah. did that with this and succeeded at it. And as far as we know, we haven't seen the fourth. Right, one yet, we gotta you know. see the last movie and see. Yeah, it. And exactly. Obviously, I, I am partial to. I mean, I, the rebuild movies are more are more curiosity and. A little bit fan servicey of just like yeah, it's more. I just selfishly want more. Don't don't need them. No, uh, would still love the show just as much without them. Uh, the property, the franchise, would be just the twenty, you know, the twenty four episodes in the in the movie yeah. is is plenty. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with I I and I'm anxiously awaiting the new one. That said, Anno has had his chance. I don't I don't need it to just be him. And I think he's right in that. Okay, yeah, Gundam can have all these different things. I would like to see, you know, like the manga Evangelion ending, you know, animated or or something along those lines. You know, like mm-hmm. seeing Yoshiki Sadamoto do his manga version, you know, from being the character designer to be like, well, here's my take on the same story was really cool. And, you know, you'd be going further afield, but like all the different manga and video game takes, I don't know, those could just be shows. 
And there's something so, especially like he's saying, that there'd be a little bit of oversight. I, I think shows that just feel like, if, there's ways to feel like Evangelion while doing a fresh story that isn't a retelling that could be really yes. exciting. Because what makes Evangelion, yes, it's Anno, but it's also mysticism. It's also psychological interrogation. It's also a certain level of artistry, uh, a certain type of music. There is a lot of things about it that other people could do. Like the third Pat Labor movie is not Oshii, but it feels like Oshii. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think the Ghost in the Shell standalone complex show is fucking great, especially the second season. And that's very different from the Ghost in the Shell movie. Mm-hmm. But I love that Ghost in the Shell, and this may be even a better example, at least for me personally, sure, Gundam, sure. where it's like, well, there's all these different versions of Ghost in the Shell, and they're all pretty cool. And they all feel like Ghost in the Shell, but they all highlight different aspects. So who's to say that there couldn't be, you know? Well, it doesn't more, need to have the same characters, even. It's, but it's just, more like comic books, I think, is where, yeah. where you're getting at. Is like, is like the, like the X-Men is a great example of like a, a rich developed world sure. that's existed since like what the 60s or something and like there's been so many different you know artists and writers that have defined it it, 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 it at different points where you kind of think like this is the best version it could possibly be and then somebody else comes up with something that's totally different picks yeah. a different combination and being, of characters, and being freed from continuity ones, you know but just yeah. being able to you know because gundam gundam has all these different continuities but it's well at the end of the day they ought to have gundams and gundams have a certain aesthetic and they have a certain, you know, thing, whereas, like, an Evangelion has a certain aesthetic. And I'd love to see that aesthetic mm-hmm. applied by other artists or the same artists doing new, just more new stuff in a new environment that's not necessarily the same canon. Like, build it from the ground up. But also that there is a, you know, they have a bio-organic component to them, which is something, even in all the Evangelion ripoffs, you don't see it. No. Exactly the same way. And if you did, you'd be like, oh, it's a ripoff of Evangelion. So the idea of taking Evangelions, you don't need Shinji and Gendo and all those people, but the idea of an Evangelion being a very specific type of mecha and having new stories about that, to me, that's pretty exciting. You know, 15, 20 years down the line, having all these different ones. And, and some of them would be shitty and some of them would be probably fucking cool. And some of them would be like, just okay. And, you know, but I would love to be able to continue to kind of engage with the property on those terms and okay. i don't feel like it would tarnish the original so we'll make some calls and um <laughs> <laughs> it's about four, i don't know it's about four teenage it. boys that are playing in the woods and they find, and an, they find an, an eva unit one in the woods and uh yeah. tragedy occurs and <laughs> yeah no I, and that's i know we're going long but yeah, that is just the thing funny. that i've articulated to you before when we we're talking about bocurano um mm-hmm. Another great giant robot that we've mentioned before, but worth mentioning again if you guys uh, are unaware of Book Around is now now only available on the Viewster anime app via Amazon Prime for some reason, and there's not much else good on there. But it's only one season; it's it's, twenty four. You can knock it out, you know, in in a. But there's something so special, you know, when you port over, and we've talked about Pacific Rim before too. And no shade on Pacific Rim; I Mm -hmm. like Pacific Rim. My my kids love Pacific Rim. One of my favorite three D movies. Super cool, but there's there's still something so Western about it. Yep. And in the attitude towards the giant robot, and whenever robot stuff comes over here, it is all it's sort of militarized. And I mean, even look at the Transformers movies where they just become yep. like military porn. And I, and I love. I think the first Transformers movie is really good. Awesome. I don't movie. love <laughs> any of the other ones, nope. but I think that one's pretty fun. And I'm not a big Transformers guy, but you can see 
just the idea of like, oh, it's a giant robot, so it's a machine, so it behaves this way, and it has this kind of quality. Whereas, not all, but a good chunk of giant robot shows have a weird spiritual and psychological cost, and they, they feel scary and unsafe and very different. And just so Evangelion, I don't... It's certainly the epitome of it. I don't know that it spearheaded it because Space Runaway, Ideon, and some of these other mm-hmm. earlier ones. But that there's a there's a it's almost like the Marvel versus DC thing. Maybe we have talked about this before, but where there is sort of a sense of awe and mm-hmm. not just a scientific hardware quality to the robots and Japanese stuff, but they feel more like gods. Yeah, they and that's something that's missing from from the Western versions of all this stuff. And so the idea of that quality. I think that's just going to have to be first, you know, front and center in any Evangelion show. But there's a lot of ways we could take that. Yeah, I think so. it's. I think ideally, like it's, it's, you know, it's it's a hard sell with some of these things. I have, you know, for some reason I have a belief that it maybe works better in Japan than it does here. But like, but the kind of thing where it's like, you know, you you get like the Cloverfield movies or something where those are sort of like kind of retrofitted into being something of a universe, but that like mm-hmm. the idea that you could, you could have a brand that, yes. that represents quality, but also um, like t- certain tendencies or certain priorities like you're describing, like yes. it, that, that, it, that it's like, could you have something that was Evangelion, you know, not unlike the, the, what's it, you know, the Power Rangers stuff where it's like, Technically, these are yeah. all the same thing, but they're not necessarily in a continuity. And it's like it could be like you know, Neon Genesis Evangelion colon, blah 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 blah. One hundred percent. This story that is again sort of lightly supervised by the people that know how to do this and staffed with the people that you know are very competent, but created by people who maybe you know came up through the ranks and had these ideas. You know, the yeah. werewolf. You know, whether it's that is like, <laughs> but you know, people that have like you know, not not unlike. Yeah, fuck it, I make think. the werewolf show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I think I think you either get ideas from people who've like always wanted to, people who grew up with it and was like, you know, I know what my Evangelion idea would be. And I don't know if it invites people to think that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, well, you know, Alan Moore but taking over Swamp Thing. Yeah, you know, and it's like, well, what's he gonna do with that? Like, this is stuff he grew up with. Let him use those toys and play with them, and make something totally new. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like th- there's Evangelion would still be interesting if Anno just did do a reboot of Space Runaway Adeon. And he's just yeah. like, well, this is something that it was inspiring to me. Uh, here's Anno's version, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd be down for, for that. Yeah. It's like, like uh... I don't know. I'm not opposed. I, I'm kind of in, intrigued by no, it. No, I'm very intrigued by it. It's something that I'm sure we'll talk about more. Rather than, like, I don't know, just, like, creating characters and shoehorning them in to sell more merchandise. Like, actually make a new narrative show that earns the presence of those characters that don't have to be named on this podcast episode. <laughs> Mari. Yeah. That's going to be fun. It'll be fun to get... Um, for me to turn my to turn around, for me to like be convinced I mean, on this viewing that Mari's actually well. The best. I mean, who knows? By the time we finish the the, the last movie, it's possible. Maybe, maybe, maybe it all comes together. She's gonna, yeah. So I guess you know we're gonna put this up ASAP. Today's Tuesday, uh, and I don't see any reason why. Oh man, <laughs> when are we gonna record the next one? I don't know. That's the thing. So we'll we'll put this up, and just to, you're hearing it now, but I'm sure on Twitter and stuff like that we'll. You know, disclaim that we we don't really know what the schedule is going to be. Kevin, I think, is getting back in town soon, so if we can, we'll try to start 
we had a really good system there going for a while where we would record yeah. like three episodes and then take weeks off and schedule them. So we'll wanna, but with movies, it's harder because it's a longer, it's yeah. a longer watch. It's a longer commitment. And I think the episodes we, we want to continue to watch together and then yeah. record right afterwards as opposed to watching separately. Now it takes a big chunk out of the day, but um, so yeah, I, we'll want to we'll, we'll want to cover those and maybe some other interstitial stuff as we go. But yeah, and so you know, nice to nice to be here with you guys again. I, I hope uh, the all all five of you that are still left you know yeah. um, you know i could i could our uh, our anchor like listening numbers yeah. <laughs> probably drastically dropped yeah yeah i mean we, we'll we, never get back those numbers I'll have to, i can't remember where we had we had a good good numbers in the uk and i think like the australia the fax machines are dead yeah <laughs> yeah there's no the viewership no is in the black anymore. but if but the, anyone who's listening if you're if you just you know somehow if this is the first time you've heard us you know go back and listen to the other ones if you want to hear us talking about the whole show if this is if you're back with us and you're happy to be back we're you know going to try to get more of we're going to talk evangelion yeah you know and there's lots of evangelion stuff to talk about in ancillary media so who knows but i know for sure the task is to make sure we cover those movies and are ready when whenever 3.1 yeah, 3.0 plus 1.0 we, we have to do aka the, yeah. thrice upon a time <laughs> yeah whatever the fuck that is comes out we maybe we we'll save that for another time. Talking, d- discussing the like, apparently the yeah. new title, "Thrice Upon a Time." So uh, you know, I, I have to give a, sp- a special hello to um, uh, Floor in Argentina. Uh, my girlfriend is down there and she's listening, and I'm, uh, you know, and to any of my new friends in Argentina that might be listening. <laughs> I don't know if anybody uh, can keep up with our rapid fire pace here, but. Uh, so hello around the world. If anybody, I know we had some in Germany that maybe will still be listening. So yeah, wherever think, you guys are, I think I hope our you're German friend started her own podcast. Yeah, I think about so too. Evangelion. So maybe we need to learn the you know get the title and the pronunciation of that show correct yeah. and plug that show. Presumably, it's all in German. But I yeah. So way, it, for any German speaking listeners, and we want to direct them towards that. I assume the show is good. <laughs> yeah, I assume so too. But you know, I hope everybody is being safe and uh, and you know. We're gonna we're gonna try to do more of this and hang out with you guys and uh, we're always on Twitter as you guys all know so find us talk to us and uh, I'm less on Twitter so I will be less responsive I had to yes I had for, to cut way back for good reasons but uh, you know you still get the alerts and stuff I assume I get the alerts and sync ratios uh, Twitter is still live I don't check it all the time but we do check those messages. And we definitely appreciate, even though I'm not really uh, on Twitter as much and, and don't have as much of a presence, I do, yeah, and I do read uh, if anybody, yeah, responds. To well, this would be the most fun things for you talk to talk to about on Twitter. Is yeah, just, it, no, I, and I, and I do love, I love seeing, you know, don't, uh, don't be shy. You know, no, I do please. love seeing every time somebody comments to sync ratios or to us about the show. Uh, it's does my heart good. And yeah, makes makes it feel for like, all the things that make Twitter bad. This yeah, is probably the highlight. That's one hundred percent. So love you guys and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks guys. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, bye.